Good evening, listeners. Welcome once again to the pod. Episode 24, would you believe, Ben? Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday I to know. Are we, um, Are we doing like a signpost thing for sort of, you know, medical support for those people <laughs> that have listened for the full year? I don't know. Might be worth it. <laughs> Maybe you could do free <laughs> diagnosis, mate. <laughs> really help them out. So yes, so thank you all. Um, thank you to those that have been with us for a year. Thank you to those this is the first episode. But anyway, we are in the pod, thundering towards yet another planet. And tonight we are going to talk about, once again, as ever, the hobby desk. I've painted and actually finished some stuff. Ben's finished some stuff, obviously. Um, still on the space walls. I'm sorry, guys, but it's still going on. What um, do you mean and I'm still, still on them? To, I haven't um, done them in ages. Them. Yeah, well, it's too much, whatever it is. So... Um, <laughs> Moving on, anyway, so <laughs> into the Galaxy of War, uh, absolutely loaded. We've got Harlequins, we've got the Knights, we've got Death Watch, um, all to talk about in the Galaxy of War tonight. Uh, Mortal Realms, of course, is is where it's all happening. Um, the community have been popping out lots of the new rules, so Ben and I are going to talk about what we think of those so far. Also, got a little bit of a uh, shout out to the Stormcast, the new podcast from Games Workshop, and some of the cool models as well. We're going to see for Magic. Into the community section. I, I Sorry, I had to take a breath then. Um, into the community <laughs> section. <laughs> We've got a little bit of shouting out to do in there and a few AOS events to talk about that have happened. Um, and then finally, into the wild. So um, those of you that follow us on Instagram and Twitter will have seen that I've started watching The Lord of the Rings today. Uh, and that is an indication of what's coming up in the wilds. Also played some Blood Bowl. If I see any more ones on dice two times in a row, I'm going to just throw them out the window. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and some scenery to talk about as well. So. <laughs> so a packed show. I will try and remember to breathe. Thank you very much for joining us. And we shall go on to the hobby desk. Hi guys, and welcome to the Hobby Desk. Um, we've been at this for one whole year, which is pretty incredible. Um, I don't think we should bore everyone with a retrospective of um, what you of mean what is we doing. only realised that about five minutes ago, and we haven't prepared for a retrospective. Well, no, it'd be easy to do. Really, <laughs> you only think about it. So, my, mine's a bit more diverse, but Dan's painted corn. <laughs> yes, I I painted corn. Uh, and I've and done you have painted a bunch of very misled Space Marines in blue grey power armor. But space Space Wolves, Iron Jaws, Necromunda, and Blood Bowl. But largely Dan's painted corn. Uh I've also painted um Blood Bowl. I didn't paint Necromunda, yeah. you painted that for me. I painted some yeah. Silver Tower. You have you have painted some Silver I Tower. Branched out a bit there. But is it- these are exceptions rather than rules. <laughs> yes, they are. I did paint one Nurgle guy in our Tale of Many Gamers Part 2. Oh, well, that, yeah. In which you painted an entire sort of 1,500-point army. But did you, even uh, with did upgrades, what, I can't stretch him to 1,500 point. Did you see what Ross called uh, Corn Red today? Yeah. <laughs> Damn jolly red. Nice. <laughs> you should bring out a line of just red. <laughs> so all I'll sell is red. So you've um you've been on it this week, haven't you? Yeah, well, the last couple of weeks since uh, Warhammer Fest, I have been working away. So my orc team, uh, the box, the, the team that you get in the box, uh, as well as a 
the two squig balls and norm two normal balls are painted now and finished. Um and I've even I've even played a game with them painted as well. So um, it looks fab. Thank you. I'm uh I'm really pleased. I use Duncan's guide, I've said a few times. Um just tried to follow that throughout. I think the only thing one thing I've I would take away though is um I have always been uh, a sucker for just using the washes straight out of the pots. Um and especially over the lighter colours, moving forward, I'm trying to sort of uh, 50-50 the washes a bit. So specifically, I did Rakar Flesh as a base coat for the trousers. Um, yeah. And when I then washed over that with Agrax Earthshade, it was just so dark. Uh, yeah. It, it gave no none of the benefit that a base normally does. Yeah. Because when I went back over the top of it, it was just like painting over a black undercoat again. Um, did you um you should always water those down with lime and medium that is worth saying um or, or in fact i don't know what it, they're like with air cast thinner i i if i have a dry paint pot i use air cast thinner to water it down and that's a hundred times better than water yeah um so I, I should imagine that that would work quite well for um for the washes too but if you water them down with water i find that i get that white white in the crack problem oh yeah I don't really know why. Um, I've heard all sorts of reasoning for it, um, whether the water's hard or soft or whether there's paint paint particles in the water or... Um, it's just weird it, magic, that's all. I think, it, I think it is just weird chemistry that I don't think anyone apart from the guys who made it really know what it is. Regardless, I agree. I think uh, Agrax Earthshade is a really versatile colour and if you can water it down over Rakarth, you'll get a much better result. That's uh, That's good. Oh my goodness. So, um, Harriet said to me earlier that she'd bring me a cup of coffee. So she got a shout out, but I got the coffee early, but she's now bought me some kinder, like mini kinder chocolate eggs. So uh. definitely a shout out. Those, that's awesome. So, um, yeah, awesome. Right. Anyway, <laughs> kinder eggs are there. So the orc team are done. So, um, and I, I'm, I really like them, dude. I've got to say, I think they're superb and the photographs really don't do them justice. Having a look at the one you'd finished at Warhammer Fest, it was it was really beautiful. Thanks, mate. I really appreciate it. I um, I'm I'm actually most pleased with the bases because I managed to get them to blend quite nicely with the neoprene they orc pitch. Really do they? Really, really do. Yeah. So I was quite pleased with that, and most importantly, I got to put a couple of little skulls on the bases and paint them up. Yeah, you know, just so I didn't get ill, you know. Missing out. Um, <laughs> well, you went for a red team and put skulls on the base. I can see it. <laughs> it's not predictable in any way, is it? Um, and I have built the troll, um, which was just as crazy as you said it would be to build. Um, by part three, I got out the 360 degree image off Games Workshop website to work out where it went. <laughs> um, I've built a- 19 pieces. Know, it's mad. It's a beautiful model, mine. Really nice model. It is. Again, pictures don't help. No, they don't, do they? Uh, I mean, it's, I was just about to say, it's one of those models. I mean, we often talk about a model in person is completely different from the photographs, but that one is so different. It's it's so much better in person. I think it's difficult to fully appreciate the pose, like what he's actually doing um, yeah. from a picture. So, because it where he's sort of leaning into that or, or leaning back, sort of spooling up the throw for the goblin. Um, yeah. 
So he's yeah, built. I've built a couple more Black Orcs and a couple more Blitzers because you can have four of each in a team, in an Orc team. Um, I've built. And you can't have too many of those Blitzer models. No, they're lovely. Um, and I've built Varag Gulchua, the special character, or star player, sorry, um, that I picked up. And I've got four goblins as well because you can have four goblins. Um, and actually, funnily, and this comes straight from a game. Uh, a match I played recently. I'm painting up two more balls. Um, one that goes on the basis of the model and one that's on a base of its own because Tom played a card on me which created a clone of the ball. So we were playing with two balls and you didn't know until you scored a touchdown which ball was the real ball. Oh, that's so I need another ball. So um, Is that something the elves can do, is it? No, no, that's just a miscellaneous mayhem or something like that. One of the special play cards. Okay, um, yeah. So that come in the in the starter box. Oh, I'd say the starter box, the box game. Um so that that's quite quite cool why I've ended up doing that. And actually, this is a good point to say, I've magnetized the balls that go on the bases of my models. Because I know they've got oh, the little yeah, peg, okay. but I, I just it was just it's too much of a faff I found picking the model up and, and working the peg in. So I just put a little magnet on the bottom um, to hold that in place. I am seriously considering doing that. Um, the um, the snotling ball <laughs> is a pig to get on bases. It just is so big; it doesn't fit on anything. Um, well, mine's well, a real one to get on a base because it's run off. Because I cannot find it to save my life. I, well, I'm, sure, I'm sure I had it, but. Goodness knows where it's gone, so probably running around on the floor somewhere. Anyway, that's um that's Blood Bowl. And then downstairs in the front room, I've I've now taken my painting sort of workstation, I suppose, downstairs, um, and then I've drilled a hole in my sofa. Uh <laughs> which is funny story, Harriet thought we had a mouse. Genuinely thought, because where I drilled through, I'd sort of cut the the sofa lining. I should say at this point, the sofa is a really old sofa that was given to us. It's not like I haven't gone down to DFS, bought a new sofa and thought, oh, I'm going to mount a lamp in that. Um, not that that would necessarily have stopped me, if I'm fair. I was going to say that wouldn't have surprised no. me if you'd done that but, either. But Ben, Ben the bass came round and he was there and Harriet noticed this hole, and she said to me later, I didn't tell you when Ben was here, because I thought it would look awful if we had a mouse, but I think we've got a mouse. And it's it's where I drilled this hole, and everybody else knew about it, because I'd put the picture on Facebook, but Harriet doesn't really go onto social media. Um, So anyway, I can mount the lamp now, sit there, and just for doing base coats, so I'm working on 18 Reavers, Blood Reavers, from, from Age of Sigmar. Um, just with the standard Reaver blades. I've got 36 painted. I'm working on 18. And I've got another 30-odd to do after that. Ugh. And that's just the sort of Reaver blade ones. And then I want to get 40 with the Meat Ripper axes. But that's for another time. So that's my sofa project. And then five Skull Reapers are a fair way through. I've been fortunate. I had a couple of days annual leave. Um, put in a couple of later nights to get these guys i'm just working on the skin um yeah am i working on the skin how did that go no actually i've moved off the skin now i'm doing the bone bits how did that go yeah so as a bit of 
sort of backstory. I mean, people will have seen or may have seen the images. Um, I decided to have a go at some different skin tones. So just to mix it up a little bit, really. Um, and what I'm going to do as I move into the into the Blood Reavers, um, because I all the all of them that I've painted so far, all fifty, have all got the same sort of standard Caucasian skin tone. So after yeah. that, I'm going to paint batches. Like I'll do like fifteen with a really dark skin tone and fifteen with a really pale skin tone. I think, yeah. and then just mix them through, um, which has been. Good, actually. I mean, you gave me a, a good recipe for a dark skin tone with Rhinox. Is it Rhinox Hide? Yeah. Rhinox Hide, Doom Ball Brown Highlight, then the Reikland Flesh Shade Wash, and then Tusk or yeah. Fur. So really happy with that. Looks really nice. And actually, uh, I think I said to you, didn't I? <laughs> I was being silly. It's a lot quicker to paint than any other skin tone, to be fair, which is nice. It is very good. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I've got one that's the really pale tones, and I've just used the guide off the Citadel painting app. Um, and I've put that wash that you mentioned of Screamer Pink over it, and it has worked. It's it's knocked back the sort of starkness a little bit, which is nice. Uh, but I always think varnish, you know, you've got to get the varnish on, pull it all together. So he looks good. And then the other ones are just your sort of standard... Bugman's Glow, again, the Citadel. I use the Citadel painting app for a lot of things, to be honest. Um, I don't really use it. I, I but I'm a, it I don't know if I should repeat what you said, but a, um, a box art insert exclusive here <laughs> is what you said. Keep it PG. Keep it PG. Is what you said of me. So, um, yeah, <laughs> so I use it quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, that's where I'm to. So yeah, a lot, a lot more been done. Really, it's been quite nice. The skull it's reapers nice aren't far off, to be honest. And I'm, <laughs> I say this every time I'm doing a project, and then I don't necessarily do it. But it is my intention at the moment to actually do the blood and do the proper snow bases, little flowers, and really do this unit properly. Um, because well, if you don't start doing it as you go along, you're going to really struggle. Because yeah. you're not going to have to go back and do so many units. Well, and also, it's part of, and I, you've already told me off for this, but it's part of me and Ben the base. Tom was going to do it, but I, I think his Astraea Super Heavy Tank has understandably distracted him. Um, but we're doing a little Age of Sigmar slow grow thing, and this month we're supposed to paint a unit of infantry, with the infantry keyword, and a hero. So those guys are my infantry, and then I'm going to try and get my Lord of Corn done. Um, but I, so, no, so I have to. So I have to. Us for the last year, I'm going to interrupt. I'm going to do a year. No, no, I, I don't want you to interrupt because no. I know what's coming. Ev- I know what's coming. Well, everyone who listened to this for the last year will go. Now, so how come Dan is painting a slow grow slash tale of many gamers slash malign importance with some other dudes? But won't do it with Ben. That's what they're all saying. Any answers? Because, because, yeah, yeah, poor. That's what it is. It's poor. It's downright. <laughs> no, to be lazy. fair, right? To be fair, Ben doesn't have. And let me finish before you jump in. Ben doesn't I'm have an finished. Age of Sigmar army at the moment. 
and you... Neither did I! I that, what did I just say to you? What did I just say to you? Don't interrupt right, okay. until I finish. And you... I've driven, can drive, well, to be fair, Ben could probably, I don't have a reason. No, I didn't think so. Right, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, so the reason I've got to properly do these is because Ben's just boshed out a Namati Reva guy on a flipping awesome sea base. And it makes my corn look like Joshua painted them, which if you've seen the video this week. Um, he might well have done. You, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he can start his base coating. The funny thing is, after that video, it ended up all up my arm and everywhere, and he thought it was hilarious. He was just laughing his head off as red paint going everywhere, and I'm going, this has gone terribly wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's that's my hobby desk. And um, yours has got some flipping lovely-looking Marines on it, hasn't it? Yeah, I, it's. Um, I, I've been... Sticking to my schedule, actually, um, I sat down uh, when I finished some of my importance army and, and wrote a bit of a painting schedule. And so far, it, it's been um, it's been really useful because it's kept me on track and motivated. I have to say, um, these space walls are the hardest thing I've had to do because um, the Primaris are, are seriously nice models, but there is a lot more edges to fine highlight, and it, it's just killing me mm. um so did finish the 15th one today um what edge highlight are you finished the edge highlighting or, or are they completely finished yeah i finished yeah finished the edge highlighting on the armor but is on, this is done... this a batch of 15 or 10 is 10 you're working on no, now, so, so i did the first five and i'm now just doing this the second lot as a 10 so um i started them um, with the airbrush did a, a gray primer um base and then washed them with 50-50 Agrax and um, Nightshade. Not Agrax, sorry. Um, Null Oil and Nightshade. Um, and then went back in with Rust Grey until I got a nice flat look to it. Um, and then Zenithed it with the Air Fenrisian Grey, which isn't as bright as the Fenrisian Grey from the normal range. Mm. Um, if I'm going to do characters, I might then go back in with Blue Horror or um, something like that. Or maybe even use the old Space Wolf Grey because that's quite bright. Um, but anyway, I haven't I haven't made my mind up yet. And uh, that's look that that I think that looks really nice actually. Um, a bit greyer perhaps because I've missed out the fang. I did a test one where I used the fang spray mm-hmm. and did the same, and it comes out much bluer. Um, but I quite like the slightly grey look to it. Have you so got I've much? Um, have you got much? Space Wolf Grey? I've got one pot. Because I was just going to suggest that you... Obviously, I I mean, Blue Horror would be the best place just because it's easily available. But if you wanted closer to Space Wolf Grey, maybe try out that... um, I've forgotten their name. That's awful, isn't it? What was that painting? Well, I'll tell you what. Let's... Let's bring that back at the end. I'll give you a chance to go and look at it because I think we should give those a proper shout out because they're quite interesting. Yeah. So while I'm talking, you can have a look. Um, so they're, they're, they're mostly done now, the armour. Um, five are already done and people seem to like those. So I'm, I was quite chuffed with them. Um, a lot cleaner than I normally do because the armour plates and um, 
moving away from the Necromunda grungy kind of look. Um, and in between those, I've been, I airbrushed a flat of Balthazar gold across uh, all of my Stormcast and the corn from the um, Age of Sigma box set because I figured I ought to try and get that done before they release a new one or at least get it along the way. And um, did a test model of the armoured corn dudes, whatever they are, which, which quite didn't take very long at all. So I was quite chuffed with that. So I'll probably able to Blood be able to knock. Mean, yeah, that's badger. Um, I'll probably be able to knock that unit out in an evening. I reckon. Yeah. Um, because I'm not intending to spend hours on them. Um, I just wanted them to look corn-like, and I think that came across quite well. Um, well, they're red, so that's a good start. Well, they're yes. red because of all the blood. Well, no, they're reddish as well. So I've used the red glaze and I've used red wash over the Balthazar. So um, I did get some Tamiya clear to have a mess, mess around with, but I, I kind of chickened out. I did, I kind of chickened out. Um, so, yeah, that's me. Um, not a long list, but it's been a lot of work, actually. Well, it takes, Both, um, it takes a long time, doesn't it, for you to get all that edge well, highlighting done? I've got two pairs of reading glasses that I bought from Asda, um, a plus 0.5 and a plus 2, um, because if I'm painting for a long time, especially at the end of the day, when I've had a busy day, um, and I have to look at a computer all day, um, my eyes get quite tired. So to give them a rest, I use the glasses, and I, I do find that the plus 2 really helps for doing detail work. Um, but yesterday I went from my normal vision to the plus 0.5 within like three hours and the whole evening I was painting with the plus twos because I was just my eyes just couldn't tolerate fine highlighting anymore (laughs) it's It's funny I was thinking about that because it's something that I've never maybe it's because I don't paint you know those sort of fine edge highlights but I've never really struggled with I can't paint anymore because my eyes are tired like I might personally just fall asleep on the desk. Yeah. But, oh, Instar, they're called. I remember Yeah, that that's an um, ideal time. Which, it's a shame, actually, on their part, that it's so difficult to find them on Google. I only found them because I'd liked them on, um, on uh, Facebook. So, I thought it'd be cool. Um, sorry, dude, you... you do it again. Are you done? No, it's all right because I've I, yeah I am done. Okay. Um, like I said, it's not a big list, but it was a lot of work. <laughs> cool. So in star paint. So um, little bit from we'll obviously make sure these guys are in the show notes, and um, I think I've shared them on our page before, actually Facebook page. But we'll do it again. So um. Welcome to Instar. If you're not aware of our major project, we felt that a large number of the community wanted some of the old colours from Citadel range available again, um, including those that are extremely rare. So essentially what they're doing is remaking all of the old paints and they're actually asking for people to send them swatches or even um, the pot. pots um, of paint to, to colour match to. Um, and mm. they do... What, what I really like is they do so many different sizes. So all the way from a two mil pot for you to try it out. Um, and I think they go up to a 250 mil pot. Yeah. Possibly. 
So it's it's really good. Um And the Taylor Painters, um is it the Taylor Painters? Yeah, they're the Dark Angel. Yeah, he he did a really good review on them actually, so it's worth going and have a look at that. And I'll, I'll we'll pop those in the show notes if I can get the show notes done in time because I'm really rubbish at doing them at the moment. Um, when, when you say you're really but, rubbish, <laughs> you've got you've got a fair bit going on, do you? Yeah, perhaps. So th- we'll try and get the link out. Oh, Dan can put the link out for that when he does the post, um, because that is a really good review from a person who paints a lot and knows what they're talking about when it comes to paints, rather than two dudes in a shed. So. Um, I, hey, hey, yeah. I'm not in a shed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the things he did say, though, is that there's a lot of pigment in them. Um, they cover really, really well, and they flow really well. Um, and Oh, sorry. I, sorry, I just want to correct myself. So they do 100ml, 50ml, 20ml, 10ml, and 5ml, and a 2ml. Those are the sizes, yeah. just to be... With their own unique dropper bottle. Yeah. Which um, the guy from... Taylor painters liked as well, yeah, and they and they also match the current paint range as well, and they are cheaper as well. But lot lots of reasons to try them. I actually haven't yet, which is a shame. I was I really must do that. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's in star. Yeah, and I think um I think with that that kind of um wraps up the hobby desk doesn't it yeah we kind of this is my hobby this is ben's hobby uh, and here's some hobby stuff we've not tried it but we wanted to chat about it (laughs) well yeah yeah i think it's i think it's interesting because i think but yeah let's let's focus on it a little bit to make it a bit more worthwhile (laughs) uh, for me i've got a load of colors on the shelf and i'm looking at them and i know for example um tommy Sewell, he uh he really likes snakebite leather for his um, non-metal metallics in gold. So to be able to have something that's colour matched um, and is a good paint to all of those old ranges, I think that's pretty useful, if nothing else. And um, because, for for example, here's, here's a good example. I would really like to do, um, I've got a whole bunch of second edition models, um, including... The old metal beyond the fell handed, uh, a metal land speeder. Thank you, Marcus. I'm really thanks. Best Christmas present. <laughs> um, one of my favorite models ever. And, um, the, the second edition starters kit. And I want to do them space wolf, obviously. Um, but I, because I want to do them as I would have done them if I could when I was a child and had, was into that. So I was like a 10 or 10 or 12 year old. Um, so I'm gonna probably do them using Space Wolf Grey and Shadow Grey, and I've got some, possibly enough to do them, but, um, they're not in the best of quality. I mean, the Space Wolf Grey has got, like, paint crumbs all the way through it, because it's dried out at the edges and then been mixed in. So either I could filter them through and spend an hour, you know, repairing them, or I've got, I've now got an option where I can go, I'll have to have a look at the Instagram stuff and, and get a few samples and see whether they work. And I'm sure there's people out there who've done old projects that they might want to add to, but the paints that they used are gone. Yeah. So I think, I think it's a really useful tool to have. I think they're into a winner for that old market because there are some colors which I just don't think the new range, um, have. Dwarf flesh being a good one. Brazen brass. That's one. Brazen brass. Yeah. That's another popular one. So, um, Good on them. I, you know, I probably will give them a shot. Um, I wonder if they do the washes. 
because if they sold Devlin Mud, I think they might <laughs> might get a few takers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll check them out. That, yeah. We'll get back to them. Get back to the guys. So there we go. Um, plans next. Plans next. So, um, oh, I don't. What shall I do next? Oh no, I know what I'm doing next. I'm painting um, more door orcs. Are you build me an <laughs> army worthy of court? I mean, I mean Mordor, Mordor, <laughs> Mordor. Amazing. But we can talk about that in the wilds because Aragorn actually says, "You know, it's where are you going?" And he's like, "Into the wilds." That's where it comes from. Um, it's like my subconscious came up with that. Excellent. It's good, net. I I will be doing Grimnar next, and the um. Are you really? Ca- One year on. Yeah. And the characters for uh, from the Dark Imperium box set. Oh, yeah. So that should be good fun. Cool. I shall right, look then. forward to slaying Grimnar. Yeah, last time you ploughed through about 30 um, of those red demon things with the big banana heads. Last so. time. Big banana heads. I don't know what to say to that. I I really just want... <laughs> I've got in my head now one in yellow. And the theme song of Bananas in Pyjamas coming down the stairs, <laughs> but with a blood letter. That's kind of sinister, actually. Yes, it yeah, is. Let's move yeah. on. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> right, eh? Well, you shall see you all in uh, a galaxy of war. Welcome back, listeners. We have uh, fired some thrusters that have enabled us to navigate our way into this grim and dark galaxy of war. Um, I have had a glass of water, a can of Diet Coke and uh, a coffee so far for refreshments. So I'm sorry I haven't said get some refreshments. I've been focused completely on my own needs um, and forgotten. So all if we hear a crash and you're sorry. burning, it's because you need a wee. Yeah, it could be that. It could be that. Or it could be all those paints falling off the shelf again that scared the <laughs> life out of me in an episode a couple of uh, episodes back. So. so anyway, the Galaxy of War, Ben. So lots of things going on. So I think the first thing, um, we'll go for something colourful. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is the Harlequins. Um, yeah, so uh, those guys are are out now. Codex is available. Um, no new miniatures from this one. Uh, just just the Codex. But um, nonetheless, a load more stuff crammed in there, background-wise and also rules-wise. So they've gone with the traits thing again, dude. Like there seems to be quite a theme at the moment um, for customization. Uh, Yeah, I like it. It's quite exciting. I I suspect what you'll see when the Wolves Codex comes along is some quite different feels to the different great companies. I'm hoping so because they are really different. Be nice, wouldn't really, it? really different. Um, you know, you'd need to collect like multiple different great companies. Then, though. yeah, I'm aware of this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they've gone for that. Um, they've called the mask forms, um, and I did have a brief look through them, and I picked out one that I really liked, which is the Veiled Path. Um, theirs is called Riddlesmiths. And essentially, at the beginning of the fight phase, you roll two dice, discard the highest dice, and then any rolls 
uh, after modifiers that your opponent makes when rolling to hit um, that are the same as the dice that you've got that you haven't discarded are discounted. I love that. I think um, that's so good. This, yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. So because um, that could that could be utterly I, I useless. I thought that was quite fun. But it could be spectacular. It could be spectacular. Because if they're yeah. if they're hitting on a three plus, say, you know, a one or two, nah. But if your lowest dice is a th- It depends how funny the uh the Harlequin god, the laughing god, is feeling, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, it? I love it. It's really fickle. Very good. <laughs> Very good. What is his name? He's got like what's he called? Kick Kigorak or something Kigorak like that. or something yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We're not good with like the standard names, no, are no, we? So pretty much. it's probably not gonna go well with us trying to trying to work out that one. Um no. <laughs> But yeah, so that's pretty cool. I like that. Um only twenty quid as well, that codex. Yeah, I the the uh, Death Watch one was twenty five. But... I don't think it's massive though, I think it's only like eighty eight pages or something like that. Yeah. I... Your Death Watch one was twenty five pounds and it turned your world upside down. It did, brilliant. It did. So the whole all of the pages were upside down to the cover, which completely threw me. I only I nearly kept it actually. I think if it if it had been a Zeech book and it had been like that, I'd have kept it. But <laughs> Because I just think it's fantastic. But as it was, I've, I've got it swapped. So I didn't have as much time to read it as I'd hoped, but I'd, um, I've always, I've always really liked the Harlequins, always. Um, possibly because, uh, in the old Wargear book, um, so when, when you bought second edition, for those who didn't know, you got three books. The rule book, Codex Imperialis, which was kind of a background book, and, um, the Wargear book. And in the Wargear book, in the hand-to-hand combat section, um, right opposite uh, Lightning Claws, which I quite often went to, was Harlequin Kiss. <laughs> and, uh, every, yeah, and it just it struck me think... right from that point onwards, I suppose. So the Harlequin Kiss is only is used only by the Eldar Harlequins, and its Eldar name means Kiss of Evil. It's a tubular weapon that straps on the back of the forearm. By punching forward, the Harlequin activates the weapon and releases a tightly curled 100 meter long monofilament wire, a wire only one molecule thick. If the tip of the weapon touches the enemy, the wire filament pierces armor and flesh and instantly uncoils inside the victim's body. With this in the space of a heartbeat, the enemy's insides are reduced to the consistency of soup and the wire whips back into the Harlequin kiss. That's amazing. Nice. <laughs> so from that point <laughs> onwards, I was, uh, I was a bit intrigued. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, so I started uh, getting into the hobby a little bit after you, um, beginning of third edition. Um, so for me, Harlequins were a total enigma really? for that time. They were, they actually. Third edition, they kind of disappeared. Yeah. They disappeared. Yeah. So, um, And then they sort of started reappearing um, in, in around fourth edition. I think you could definitely have a solitaire. I seem to remember one beating me up. Um, but anyway... And now that they're around, it's it's a for me it's a little bit like the same way I feel about the heresy, um, and how it was this kind of mythical thing, and they've opened that can of worms, yeah, and it's quite interesting seeing it. Um, well, part of my so, feeling for them has been that they were actually really difficult models to do justice. Um, so they're supposed to be these dancing jester-like creatures, um, and the models for them in second edition were really static. Um, you know, legs, mm. shoulder width apart, arms in the air, kind of classic old games workshop model. And, um, 
Uh, but now the plastics are just superb. I mean, there's no way to understate or overstate, sorry, how superb they are. Um, I'd, I'd be very, very tempted to do an army of Harlequins just for the challenge of painting them. But do you, um, do you have a favourite miniature from Harlequins? I love the Death Jester. I was. That's mine. Oh, it's just well. <laughs> so sinister. They're like kind of perched like some kind of raven overlooking the battlefield. Um, yeah, I love him. Absolutely. I liked him when he was the metal model. Because um, they released the Metal Harlequins. Um, oh, sixth edition, maybe? When, I was, when, when, we, when we were yeah. staff members. and Because um, everyone in the store was supposed to paint one to form a squad. Um, and so we all went away and took a Harlequin with them. And then Luggins here bought back his painted Harlequin and no one else had. So I was dead chuffed about that. Another, um, another painting project amongst the staff of Games Workshop that was held up by Benjamin. Held Paul. up. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, so not held up as in, res- like held back as in you were the only one that got oh, anything right, done. Yeah. Well, so, um, yeah, I've got some of those metal ones as well, actually, which I'd quite like to put in. But the, I mean, they've got so many cool things now, like the, the, um, jet bikes and stuff. And yeah, I think, um, they would be a really cool army to do. And I vividly remember, and I, I couldn't tell you who painted it or when I painted it, but the um, the Harlequin Wraith Knight, Wraith Lord, um, one that won Golden Demon right back when we when I first started. Um, yeah, with the they put the jet bike front. On yes, they had. Head. Yeah, they had. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. So jet. So they, um, yeah, some cool stuff. There's a couple of other good bits I wanted to just bring out. So. In the bit about background for them and like the different wars they fought, there's a good one called the Mockers War. Um, and essentially the Death Jesters sort of started this game as to who could cause the most ironic death, um, amongst the enemy. Uh, and it culminated, uh, with 500 Skitari being crushed inside their own void shield. Um, <laughs> when they managed to sort of overload it and make it collapse in on itself. Brilliant. So I thought that was quite funny. Um, I bet they didn't. You know, isn't it? No, I'm sure they didn't. <laughs> no. and, uh, and, so, and, and then I thought, well, I'll have a quick look. Um, there's some good stuff on the markings, actually, for the vehicles yeah, and things. Yeah. Um, good stuff on that. Yeah, different sort of lots of diamonds, as you can imagine. There's a really nice army, actually, in Warhammer World that doesn't use all the diamond yeah. patterning. Because it's obviously it's it's an army like you said where it's hard to do justice to the miniatures, but it's also hard to do justice to the painting. Yeah. yeah. But I think if you use the right sort of um, styles um, and colours, you can do um, different. You can do them justice without having to go diamonds everywhere. I'd be quite interested to see what Green Stuff World's iridescent paint looked like on a unit of you know that iridescent paint they released. That changes colour with the direction you look at it. Yeah, I do know me. It's just um, Harriet's come in and she's she's obviously doing some kind of craft because she's she's asking me if I've got any glue to stick pom poms onto things. Amazing. So, <laughs> and actually, being a hobbyist, I, I regularly like sticking pom poms onto things. Yep. So you so, do. Uh, I've um, I have got some, so I've, I've passed that on now. So that's done. Right back to Harlequins. So um, yeah. So. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what that paint is like on them. I, I, I suppose. Um, well, I'm just thinking. Then, I'm just thinking of quick ways to do it, and that's one. Yeah, that is one. Yeah, 
Um, black and white. I've just seen an army in the codex. Like black and white. I've seen a white. stunning one in grayscale. Ooh. Yeah, but that sounds like it's going back to complicated. Have you uh, Have you got the codex, have you? Yes. <laughs> good, good for you. I downloaded it on the iPad earlier because I wanted to talk about it because it looked cool. Um, so I downloaded it. And, uh, and it is cool. And it is cool, yes. Um, fire, so, yeah, so... Um, shout out for the suit of hidden knives, which is a an enigma of the Black Library, I think they're called, or something like that. Um, which is basically their sort of relic weapons, and it's a suit with loads of psycho crystalline blades that pop in and out of it. And essentially, when the enemy uh, rolls to hit you, if they roll a one, you then roll a dice, and on a two plus, their unit takes a mortal wound. No. Um, as they slice themselves on your cool. armor. So yeah, few snippets from the Harlequin Codex. Obviously, we know that people don't come here for those solid and in-depth tactical reviews. Thank goodness. Or if they do, they don't listen to another episode. <laughs> um, so true. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but I thought it'd be cool just to pick out a couple of uh, interesting bits that I saw when I went through. Um, so on sort of the opposite end of the spectrum to small. Uh, leaping around, dancing, not very resilient things. The new knights are on their way. They are, they are. Stomping their way through. So we've seen a special character. That really um, surprised me. I loved it. I don't know why that surprised me. That completely took me by surprise. I, I, of all the things that I thought that they would do, a special character wasn't one of them. Really wasn't, and yeah, it's so good. No, I don't. I can't say I thought of a special character being one of them. To be honest, so so good. I, I love the fact that you got the pilot in the seat and the pilot out the seat, and yeah, fab, love it. Well, you can use him if his knight gets destroyed. You can keep using him on foot. Yeah, but that's like bringing a knife to a gunfight, surely. Yeah, but it's still cool. I mean, especially if I love the idea, like a bloodthirster comes up, um, has a big fight with the knight smashes it, but it's on, like, one wound, and then he falls out and shoots it in the groin with his pistol, and it dies. That'd just be that gold. Would. I really want that to happen. It will be gold. And, cause, and that reminds me, because I ha- once, when I was playing my mate Chris, he had Imperial Guard, and um, and he had a lone guardsman shot and killed my avatar, who was on one wound. <laughs> Amazing. So, it happens. <laughs> So yeah, we've seen that, and the community team have thrown up some really nice pictures of all the stuff that has somehow leaked onto the internet um, moments after it appeared, which is nice to see. So we've got the the big knight, um, what is it called? Well, it was there's a knight Castellan and a knight something else that are made out of the same kit, and they're basically festooned with guns. And they're massive. And one is more close. They, yeah. Like absolutely yeah. huge. I didn't realise how how much bigger that they, they were. And they're, they're a good couple of inches on the normal night. Hmm. Oh, did you see in that article, actually, they're bringing back the, the Renegade box yes. set? Yeah, uh, they changed the scenery in it. Oh, you... Yeah, with a more up-to-date bit of scenery. Do you reckon that that's going to be the same price as it was? Well, it says it's going to save you even more money, so that would suggest that it will be the same Because 100, price. was it 100 quid, wasn't it? I think so. It was an absolute steal. For two nights and a piece of scenery, like a, a com- I don't think Games Workshop has done a better bargain since then. No. Really wish I'd got my hands on it. So that's going to be, I think that's going to be a big seller because I would probably consider picking one of those up to get 
just two nights. Um, because then. Oh, it will sell. I mean, it sold before. It just flipping flew out the door last time. There's also a very, very, very nice combat gauge. Oh, that is such (laughs) a good nice. Oh, yes. I completely agree. I'm having that. (laughs) Whoa. Is that? Ben just got more excited than I did. I saw that today, like just before we started recording. I was like, I need that. I need six of those. I don't know. I don't need reasons. I just need them. They, they are amazing. They are amazing. It's I really wear nice. them like a, like a wolf tooth necklace of, of combat gauges. <laughs> well, I hope like we get some more of them. Like I'd like one that's a corn symbol. Well, like, one Obviously. of the things that we've talked about in the past, not on the podcast, but in person is that we really like the gubbins you get in the blood bowl. Team sprues, so the extra yes. Ujima flips that that work for the um, the turn t- tokens and you know various other things like that. Um, it really wouldn't be difficult for Games Workshop to to stick combat gauges or other little gubbins into the sprues of Age of Sigma or or forty k troop choices, so that you you could have a combat gauge. I mean, okay, it might not be perfectly accurate by the time you've Fired it down and whatnot, but I'd still use it. I'd still be happy for other people to use theirs. Ah, uh, yeah, but you know, you, you don't. You just can't be bothered to simply play by the rules, can you? No, I can't. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> that has no relevance to anyone listening, but um, it does to me. So um, yeah, re- I'm really excited by that release. I, it's it's added some things in that I didn't think that they would. Completely took me by surprise. So the special character is one of them. The piece of scenery is another, um, like the docking thing. So you can use it defensively to, but you know, boost your tank, your, your knight's defenses, um, or offensively. I think that's really cool because that goes back to the other things we're saying about army specific scenery. We love that idea. Um, I really like the idea of building a scenario around that where you have one of those massive ass knights that's obviously rearming. Yeah. And then each turn, like a different weapon system comes back online as it sort of gets more arm, like more stuff put into it. And the enemy is like trying to take it out. Oh, or even there's a scenario in the 40k rulebook where in the center of the battlefield is something you've got to blow up. Yeah. Imagine that knight in its docking station and each turn its sort of power level is growing, getting closer. And then you've got like, I don't know, chaos cultists because they're obviously really sneaky um, sneaking in and trying to plant melter bombs on it, but the power level's growing on this night, and if they don't do it in time, it sort of comes up and it just goes into full power mode, it's like blowing the seven bells out of them. Oh. That would be wicked. That would be really cool. <laughs> I need one of those nights now just to do that. That would be cool. That would be amazing, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, and I don't, oh. I, I don't know if we've seen the whole set of releases. I'm, I, I suspect that that's it now. Um, I don't think we're going to see any more. Um, would be really interested to see that night in person because it is it, in the pictures. It is vast, um, so it's quite exciting. The other, th- it's got some real bulk to it. Hasn't it does, it? yeah. It does still look like a like a walking gun platform, but the more angles I see of it, the more I like it. Um, I'm not sure. I'll be. I would. I mean, I know we always say this about seeing things in person. Um, the little gun turrets on the shoulders look a bit odd. Yeah, I agree with to that. To me. Yeah, no, I do agree with that. Like, like a little bit like somebody's photoshopped them on for a joke. Yeah, like that repulsor that. 
Yeah, like the repulsor that somebody did and, and like did actually Photoshop loads of guns on for a joke. But we will see. We will see when it comes along. So um, can I have a little chat about my Death Watch? You can have a little chat about your Death Watch. So Death Watch, the Death Watch release, uh, which is pre this podcast last year. Was it last year? It was last year. Was probably the reason, the thing that dragged me back into 40k because the idea of um, a Death Watch codex, which have always been one of my favourite concepts from 40k, um, really excited me. And the fact that you could mix in um, all sorts of different things into a unit really, really excited me because I've got a fairly extensive Bix box, as anyone who, who's been playing for 25 years does. Um, and I don't really think I'm ever going to use. Um, a lot of it to make an army but I could use a lot of my space marine bits to make a death watch army so I did um, not painted yet but I did and this box this new book is just taking that on into the bringing it up to date because obviously we've now got the uh, primaris um, which is quite cool um, little bits of background in it that are just making things up to date so um, Gilliman loved the death watch I, I don't think it ever occurred to me that Gilliman would never have been around when the Death Watch were formed, because they would have been formed in the um, War War of the Beast, wouldn't they? Yeah, and actually, um, for anyone that hasn't read or listened to the War of the Beast, it's very worth listening to. There are a couple of weaker books, but in general, very good. And the creation of the Death Watch, particularly, actually, Ben, the interaction between the Space Wolf um, and Dark Angel in one of the squads, which is like a classic one, um, and a couple of other ones where it's interaction between different chapters and their traits, yeah, and how they all end up working together. Um, yeah, it's it's ace because that's one of the things I love about the Death Watch and I loved about the new Codex is it really explored that idea that when they all come together, they're all really different and they're all really kind of proud of where they've come from, uh, and they kind of almost strip a lot of that back and say, you know, you're going to get to you're going to get to know each other, you're going to deal with whatever issues you have. And once you've done that, then you're going out as a kill team, so you better get it sorted. Um, and then as a result, they really start to learn from each other and pick up the pros and cons of everyone's fighting style. Of course, the Primaris have been doing that as part of the Grey, grey Shields for you know for the first parts of the, of the Crusade. Um, so they're probably more used to it than others. But Gilliman really liked the idea of the Death Watch, um, has made it written into the law that um, all the new Primaris chapters have to give a tithe to the Death Watch, and then equipped, sent out a whole bunch of the more suited Primaris to augment and bolster the existing Death Watch. So that explains how they're, they're in it. Um, and their squad, the Fortis squad, is pretty tasty, I think, Dan. So that's what I meant to ask you, actually. Is it the case that so can you mix Primaris and Standard Marines in it? Or is, no. as, are they a separate, they have their own yeah. squad? So basically the way they've done it is they've, they've given you kind of a backbone unit. So um, you can have them as standard squads. So you can have a five-man veteran squad or a five-man intercessor squad or a five-man um, or three-man aggressor squad. You can do all of those things. But the kind of teams, the kill teams... Uh, the background, the backbone is either a veteran or an intercessor. And then if it's a veteran squad, you can add in either more veterans, terminators, bikers, or vanguards. Um, and in the intercessors, you can add in 
more intercessors, hellblasters, inceptors, reavers, or aggressors. The intercess the intercessor squads are going to win on this one because there's some seriously wicked combinations you could do with that. Um, with the aggressor giving you that real close range base of fire, um, the hellblasters that you know the extra firepower, and the the reavers add in a fair few little extra bits and pieces as well, which are quite cool. I'm not going to go through them all, but um, it it's really cool. Really like it. I can't wait to mess around with them. And one of the cool things about them is you don't necessarily have to paint them as a squad. You can paint them as a Death Watch um, and then sort of middle, mill around with them and get the ones that you like, the outcome that you like, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, by mixing and matching. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I was thinking of giving them a go in the Iron Sleet kind of style. So a bit Blanche, not quite Blanche, but a bit Blanche. Because like Cloty does his is um renegade space marines mm-hmm. i'm using the primaries but because the artwork in there is really really nice really gritty so um i try and emulate some of those things uh, part, uh in many ways dan because i can't be bothered to fine highlight black armor across an army well yeah <laughs> so i have a i have a look around to see if i can find an alternative um but yeah so death watch really so actually a couple of days ago we can they take um Repulsors. Yeah, they can take the lot. Yeah, repulsors. Oh. Both different kinds of dreadnoughts. It's a space moon army, effectively, with those with those kill team options in there. Yeah, so they can take the dreadnought, the redemptor. Um, they can take all other all of the squads, and then the different sorts of land raiders, rhinos, drop pods, Corvus Black Star, which is a superb model. Um, so can that transport Primaris? Oh, crikey, that's a very good question. <laughs> Can it transport Primaris? Where would it say that? It, well, in its in its entry, it'll say what it can transport. carry. This model can transport 12 Death Watch infantry models, each with each jump pack or Terminator. It cannot transport Primaris. Oh, fail! Don't like that. Sorry, really don't like that. They need to bring out an alternative to the drop pod slash... Corvus Black Star. That's a real letdown, actually. Why did you have to go and mention that? Sorry, dude. I, I well, because it sprung into my head. That is fantastic, Harriet. That is going. That is totally. Harriet has just made. Sorry, guys, because I know like this is like the third mention now of what's <laughs> going on here. But I have. She's made like a caterpillar that's on on a clothes peg. That's amazing. So um. I'll take a photo of that, and we'll get that in the show notes. <laughs> Excellent. Because that's great. Bit of random hobby. It's not hobby, it's a toddler group. So, well, actually, it's for a toddler group, apparently. I thought it was, like, Fear Harriet creativeness there. Hang on, I'll just take a photo of it. Right, back to the Galaxy of War, then, after the cuddly... Thank you. Cuddly caterpillar. <laughs> um, <laughs> random moment there. So... Yeah, I'm sorry, mate. I had to mention it because I was thinking it. Yeah. And it, it really flipping frustrates me. It's just this, oh, it's like, it's like that bloody episode all over again with the drop pods. It makes no sense that I, I maybe, maybe my brain can just about cope with the whole can't fit in a drop pod thing just because. And putting aside the fact that a space marine probably has the intelligence to retrofit one, 
They are bulkier and they might not fit in the restraints. But things like it can't, they can't go in rhinos and land raiders. It's just ridiculous. It's like my mate turning up outside with his Audi. And because I'm a BMW driver, and I appreciate we've just lost at least 25% of the listeners in that comment, <laughs> I go to get into it, and I just can't get in. I'm just there, like, trying to get in, and I just can't get in. <laughs> like, not, not I can't get open the door. I can open the door, but then I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's just absurd. It's absurd. It is absurd. So... And if you ha- if you do choose to unfollow or leave listening to the podcast because of my preference of vehicle, please let us know because if it builds up enough, I will just go and buy something else. <laughs> That'd be better for everyone. Like a push bike or something. <laughs> That'd be better for you. <laughs> that would be better for me. And uh and they come without indicators. I don't actually have to take them off. Um so <laughs> So yeah, that's Death Watch. I just flattened Ben's excitement about Death Watch right at the end there. Sorry about that. We can't finish on that note. We have to finish on a positive. Okay, go on then. I don't have one off the top of my head. Oh, oh no, I he's do. Crushed. I do. He's crushed. And we can't leave oh, it. Well, we couldn't. We... Rogue Trader, mate. Oh yeah. That dro- In all the excitement, I've completely forgotten about that. That dropped just... I mean, we've mentioned it a bit of a Warhammer Fest, but just want to keep that in the burning in the background because that... that that looks so good. That can't have been dropped on purpose. That must have, that, I reckon that was a, a, uh, a sneak from months ahead on the schedule. Cause they even mentioned mm. about like a sneaky preview of it, um, at Warhammer Fest. So yeah, really excited about that. Really, really excited. So kill teams. I'm now raring to go for kill teams. I'll be using a Death Watch yeah. kill team. Just, you know, but if it's a primary, so it won't be in a black star. So, right, my friend, it's time to go into the mortal realms. Welcome to the Stormcast. Only joking, it's us. Sorry. <laughs> Ben, laugh, yeah. otherwise it's just me. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> no way did that sound like data. Not at all. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, it's a stormcast. So, in fact, basically, this whole section is pointless because Games Workshop has released Stormcast, which, having interviewed practically everybody who's written the rules in their first episode, go and watch that, because... <laughs> Whoa! But if you want, but it, but let's look out. Don't if you went to your if you went to a chip shop in Bodmin right now, you could not have salt on your chips because <laughs> Ben has stolen it all. <laughs> I was going to say, if you'd like to hear our opinions on it, then you're in the right place. <laughs> so, um, have you listened to episode one? Ah, uh, no. No, so I have, and it was really cool. So they interviewed Pete Foley, and they also interviewed um, Jervis Johnson. Uh, so you had a bit about... See, told you. Yeah, yeah, that's everyone, <laughs> everyone involved, those two. Practically. Uh, so Pete spoke about background to the realms and maps and cool things like that. And Jervis spoke a bit about rules and where some of the decisions had come from. So it's 16 and a half minutes long, about that. Um 
And so there's plenty of time to listen to your favourite peas uh, outside of those 15 minutes, 16 and a half minutes. Uh, so well worth a listen. It's only 16 minutes. Dude, we can do an intro that takes 16 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I cannot breathe for 16 minutes as my excitement takes hold. So, no, it's, um, it's going to come out three times a week. Uh, it's quite nice actually because I like me. listening to AOS shorts as well as a little. Yes. Yeah. Big shout out to AOS shorts. It's, it is really a very, very good Age of Sigma podcast. I do just want to say that I've only started listening to it since my last Age of Sigma tournament, just so people don't kind of write off listening to that based on the fact that I was shocking. <laughs> um, in fact, because of your last Age of Sigma. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> directly because. So it's a nice little one. You can just slot in there. Um, no, it's, so it's, that's good. So worth listening to. Um, so that's, that's that, which is good. So on to what we think about the new rules. So there's, um, yeah. been six so far, I believe, um, headings that the community team have put out. Um, the most <laughs> recent one being endless spells. Um, but we've also had summoning, casting and unbinding, the lookout, sir, command abilities and the changes to turn priority. So. Yep. A few a few different things. Um some an actual proper shake up uh seems to be going on, which I'm fine with. I've not heard anything I dislike so far. Ben, uh, I mean what's your What do you want to do, dude? Should we sort of go through them? So we so we start with turn priority and get your your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think so, yeah. I mean I've read them all. Um I haven't been playing long enough to have a really good idea of how they would impact into the game, but I'm I've got some thoughts about all of them. So, yeah, let's go through them one at a time. Turn priority. So, turn priority then. Um, so, the change there um, off the top of my head is basically if you had priority in the previous turn and you roll a uh, a draw result on the roll-off for priority, the person that had it gets to choose whether they keep it or not. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Isn't I think it? so. Yeah, yeah, it is that way round. Um, either it is that way round, or that is a yet another fantastic advert for listening to AOS shorts, where they get <laughs> right. So, um, yeah. So basically, it gives you if you are holding the priority, it gives you that little bit more likelihood that that you will get to control it. Um, I think the priority thing in Age of Sigma is a really interesting one because some people loved it. Or love it. It's so divisive. It. it really is. Oh. It's so divisive. Yeah. Um, I really like it. I, I just think it adds another level that you have to think about. Um, yeah. tactically. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't subscribe to this. Oh, you know, you win or lose the battle on a single dice roll because I think that can happen in a number of places and you just got to prepare for it. Um, yeah, but you can't, you can win or lose the battle on a single dice roll, but. You know it's there. You can choose to play it or not play it if you're playing in your own time anyway. But you know it's there. So why not slow down and think about how it, it might affect you? So it's certainly changed how I've, I've played my Iron Jaws thinking, oh, crikey, I might, I might get walloped again. So I'm not going to do that a little bit orky thing um, and leave them sort of stranded because I can't guarantee that they're going to be able to be supported in the next turn. So I I like it. It adds an extra level of depth, I think. But that's, you know... I like it as well, because Every... also, when you combine it with the scenarios, 
and thinking about where you need to be, how early on do you want to capture things? Do you want, you know, for example, with, um, I think it's called Starstrike now, was Gifts from the Heavens. I don't know, that could all be wrong. Basically, the one where the objectives come in out of the skies, um, Dan Wosley will correct me anyway, so that's fine. Um, you know, you might not want the priority early on because there's nothing there to, yes, to capture. Yeah. Whereas you might want to play for the double turn a bit later. And also, there's the um, knife to the heart where, you you know, you can sort of um, sudden death the game on turn three. So you kind of want to get your double turn going from turn two into three. So you, you want to set mm. it up earlier on than that. Hey, it almost sounds like yeah. I know what I'm talking about. Def- definitely just been listening to AOS shorts. Like, so just, that is straight <laughs> out of listening to that. I have in no way played a game where I have put that into practice. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's turn priority. Um, so interesting change there. And then command abilities was the second one they put up. Um, so yeah. this is about trying to get more command abilities to the table and being used, um, which I'm all for. Yeah. Uh, basically. And they've, and they've kind of trialed really with 40k, haven't they? Yeah. So. They're using the, the sort of command points idea. Um, it's somewhat different in that you generate them. I believe you get one every turn anyway, which you can save up. Um, you get one potentially for having a battalion, I think. And you can also, you get one for every 50 points less than the sort of points cap of the game that you take. So if you took 1,900 points to a 2K event, you'd have an extra two. Um, And then you use those to use your command abilities. So... Uh, whether we're likely to see some abilities that will cost more than one point but are more powerful, that's potentially something we'll see. Um, yeah, I think the other cool thing about it is before you could only really use the command abilities of your general. Yeah. Now you can use anybody's command abilities, which is really, really wicked. Yeah, it gives you um, a bit more choice. I, I'm interested to see how how it works, like the idea of how many points you get to see whether you, in reality, you actually do end up using any other command abilities or because you've only got one point a turn, you only use one anyway. Yeah. Then again, I suppose, even if you just get an extra one for 50 points less or a battalion, it just means you can set up that golden turn, doesn't it, I suppose? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't expect us to be swimming in command points, but I think um, I think it's it's going to change things a little bit. I think I'm expecting about two two a turn. Yeah, yeah, which would be nice. Would be. So another thing to about the command abilities, Dan, is that um, they they work as a pool, so they add on to your pool every turn, so you can save them up, which you didn't used to be able to do. So you can save up just the ones you generate, and you're talking like for your golden turn, but that means you could have a fair few going on all at once in one turn using all of your different le- all of your different heroes which could make yeah. Yeah, a that's really true. dramatic difference say turn three you'd saved up so you had a battalion so there's a thousand point army so you had a battalion so you've got three then you've got four command points you could use in one turn that could that could be really defi- decisive especially 
if you were playing, say, Deepkin, and you've got like that magic sort of tide turn where you're you're hitting so hard that people's faces melt. If you get it, turn three, yeah. I think it is, isn't it? The Deepkin all have all basically have the ability to always strike first. So you could um, use up, you could use four in that turn and really, really go to town. I'd be interested to see if they do something like you can choose to use more command points on the same... So, for example, um, take the Inspire one, Inspiring Presence or whatever, where you can pick a unit within 12 inches, you know, make it so that that's one command point. But if you use two command points, that becomes 24 inches or becomes all units within 12, for example. Well, also whether or not they'd stack from different places. So the same thing working twice from two different heroes. Mm. Well, that's in the wording. That depends on the wording of things. Um, So the next one is uh, Look At Sir, which I really, really like. Because I think a real drawback of Age of Sigmar is that you can pick out the characters, which is ironic considering the, the 40k rule and how popular that is. Um, but um, so is this the same release that they mentioned that if when you're shooting you can only sh- if there's an enemy within three inches of you you can only shoot at that enemy? Uh, maybe I don't know. But I'm sure that's this one because you can't shoot because at the moment if you're in combat with someone you can turn around and shoot yes, someone else. Yes, I think it is that 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 was this one. Yeah, and it which Jervis actually talks about in Stormcast because he he says like people felt that that broke the immersion yeah, i think it does um which i completely agree with i i that irritated me simply for that reason um it's interesting actually because with shooting my perspective is always skewed because i play dan so much yeah. or or as a percentage of the games i play the, it's very high the amount of times i play dan and his army is a a ranged army yeah almost exclusively not quite i'd be almost. quite happy for someone like Sylvaneth, or rather the Wanderers, to have that ability, because they might well be good enough bowmen that they could choose to shoot someone who they're not in combat with. But for like an orc bowman to have the presence of mind to go, I'm not going to shoot at the dude trying to beat me around the face. I'm going to shoot at that unit over there. Is absurd. Yeah. So that's I like that change. Um, the lookout sir change, Dan. Interestingly, he said to me he thinks it's it's bigger than it seems on the surface because he feels that shooting armies will drop away in the meta. Um, you won't see them as much because of the changes to targeting. Mm, that's um, interesting. But because uh, I don't know yet, it, minus one to hit if your character was in three inches of the enemy. Very happy, pleased that they've done it. Like it's nice to have something, but I just don't think. It's not very no, much. No, it's not. I think it's easy to find the buffs to get around that. Um, and obviously, you know, I have a vested interest in my characters not being shot because a corn army, you know, the characters really do bring up some of the chaff from being pretty rubbish to being able to, to compete. But then at the same time, I think it gives... It's quite thematic because minus one to hit is saying if you're a good enough archer you'd still be able to pick out the character. But if you're not, th- then yeah, you're going to struggle. Yeah, it is, to be fair, I think it is more 
it is more immersive, if anything, or more themed than the 40k yes. rule. Um, but then the 40k bat- battlefield is significantly different. It's yeah, more dust, yeah. smoke, gunfire, the lot, everything. So less, less flying, less sharks. flying sharks. Yeah. Actually, on that note, I, I really sorry um, to the person that posted it. I hope you might even remember, but somebody posted a fantastic picture. I think it was a member of Games Workshop where they had the Balewind Vortex and some of those Alapex kits and they were just like, it's got to be done. And underneath was the DVD of Sharknado. <laughs> and I just thought that was just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, very good. The film's dire, but... So yeah, so look out, sir, some changes to shooting. Um what was what was next? Yes, that's cool. Um, casting and unbinding. Casting and unbinding. Yeah. So this one I liked um, because I'm corn. <laughs> so uh, couple I've of got things. to admit so before the... we start, I didn't read this one. I only briefly went over this because oh. I'm I'm an orc. So because <laughs> you're an orc, and you. <laughs> so casting and unbinding the bits, the key bits I remember. So um, Mystic Shield instead of being uh, plus one to your armor save, which is therefore stackable, is now re-roll ones um, when yeah. saving. So, you you know, you know it, it is not one that you can combine with loads of other stuff. Although there are other things, you know, that can bring your armor save to something like two plus re-rolling ones then because of Mystic Shield. Um, but it doesn't stack with cover, for example. Uh, and then the Arcane Bolt is no longer D3. It's more um, the same as Smite, isn't it? Yeah, so it's one mortal wound, and then it's D3 if you roll, uh, I think it's 10 It's 10, or 11 yeah. It's, or it's practically in line with Smite, 10. and I think that's much better because D, D3 is it's harsh. Especially when... The feeling being that, they have, that well, what is said in the... Um, in the article is that there was a desire to see wizards using their own kind of unique spells more rather than just be taken to generate loads of arcane bombs. Yeah, and and to be fair, um, fight, fighting a Zinch army that can generate is just tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and this one is is perhaps more importantly for me certainly. The unbinding range is going up to 30 inches rather than 18. Um, And because I can use things like priests, um, also the the giant bloodthirster guy, I say the giant, the the wrath of corn bloodthirster can unbind, flesh hounds can unbind. Um, Although ironically, I've recently got rid of my flesh hounds because I think they're going to do plastic ones at some point in the next five years. Um, but I think it's a good point. I think that army like corn is really going to benefit that from that a lot because at the moment you you're really weak to magic, frankly, yeah, yeah, frustratingly so um but hey ho, there's a couple of items actually magical items um or artifacts or what have you that that can help unbinding, so I might have to get some of them yeah. in uh, particularly um when we come on to endless spells in a minute, there's going to be a need to stop that shit hitting the battlefield. <laughs> Excuse my language. Um, so, so summoning, summoning, some big, a big change yeah, in summoning. Yeah. Um, it would seem that where are, what 
you're going to have now. Um, I'm not sure whether the original way of summoning will stay as well with the points, but um, in general, isn't it? Yeah. So there's going to be. So for example, in the corn army, um, when you've got eight blood tithe points, you can summon a unit of corn demons. Now at the moment, you would have to pay the points or keep the points back for that to then yep. use um, when you did it, but. Moving forward, that won't be the case. You won't need the points to summon that unit. Um, so, uh, I am intrigued to see whether... It might even have said in the article, I don't think it did, whether that's only going to apply where there are specific army summoning things. Because at the moment, for example, like every demon unit pretty much has the summon demon spell, which it gives to a chaos wizard. Um, so they can, you know, they can summon any unit. Um, and I think it might get a bit silly if you haven't got to pay any points for that. But the army specific one's quite cool. Um, Nurgle has the contagion points that they gather up. Um, which, which goes towards that. Yes, but the, the, uh, but from my reading of it is that the, what you're doing to generate your summoning points, um, you're only generating that number of points. So that I think they're going to be hard work to get theoretically, or but um, you're going to have a cap. So you, you know you're saying that they're free and you have to pay the points. You used to have to pay the points for them, and now you don't. That's true. But you're not going to have thirty units of blood letters turning up just for the you know poops and giggles of it. You, you're going to have how you're going no, to have no, however certainly. many summoning points you've managed to generate by playing in a specific way and i think that's cool because i'd like to see i like to see armies playing in a themed way um so if corn are being corny and um they're generating their you know hitty smashy points then they can bring out the banana heads then great fine um because they would have had to work for them and that means that i have a chance to stop them from being generated so as long as it as long as they're not generating points for just dying, which really frustrates me. Well, they do. So you, then you're going to have to assume a certain amount of um, demons are going to come along for free for a corn army, whether they're losing or winning. So, At some point. I mean, to be fair, to access that, eight, eight units on the battlefield have to have died. Yeah. So that's quite a lot of destruction. It is. Going on. So... So that's summoning, and so that brings us to the last one which came out, which is the Endless Spells. Oh, yeah. So these are uber spells, and and this is interesting. So this is supposedly um, as a result of some of what Nagash was up to, um, and it says that essentially where before spells sort of fizzled out after a while of their own accord, that's now not the case. And some of them take on almost a sentience um, when they're on the battlefield. So this includes things like the giant jaws of doom that have been seen that um, look very cool and seem to be one of the more popular ones. It includes the purple sun, uh, which Bellwood is the, vortex as well. the Pokemon ball thing. Um, Bellwood vortex? I say it, Pope. Huh? Bellwind vortex. Uh... There's like a mirror thing, which is like two balls of energy in separate yeah, places. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a few. And 
What I didn't realise until I read the article was that your opponent can steal control of them um, once they're on the battlefield, which is quite cool. Um, and obviously these things have models, so that's another thing that you can wander down to your local hobby store and purchase. Uh, it's one of these, or one or more of these cool models. I wonder so, if they're going to yeah, come in. I'll be box. interested to see. Multiple ones, or whether yeah. they, you know, say three or four. Oh, I don't know. I mean, they're, they they're are, huge. They are, that black sun thing is the size of a of a of a big thing. A melon. A melon. No, not quite. A grapefruit, maybe. Right. Me- melons are of different size, to be fair. So that's not very uh, good, is it? No, but I think that I think they're going to be cool. I am significantly disappointed by this one because there has been no sign of a foot of gork model, and I think that that is just rubbish. I heard they're writing it out because it's ridiculous. It's piffle. <laughs> Absolute piffle. Wow. I I I I think I think they should drop the it. casting value to five. That's what I think. Do you really? Well, and it keeps working on like a two plus. Yeah, seems good. Yeah, I see we're on the same page. Excellent. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, excellent. We agree. We agree. <laughs> so obviously, in all of that, I mean, we we spoke. Last time on, we were at Warhammer Fest, so we had seen the models that day. So we got new models on the way. Still no sign yet of what's actually in the starter set from the point of view of the the actual forces, like models. Yeah, but we get. don't even know whether they are. Um, I mean, that's they were being surprisingly coy about it, and I'm not sure I understand why. I mean, because they had a massive range of death and sigma models there, like a a lot of them, and. Everyone that we asked, are these going to be in the new box set? They gave us a really coy answer, and I don't know why, because they're there, we've seen them, we know there's going to be a new box set, so why not just tell us what's in it? I I don't understand why they're doing that, to be honest, but um, there we go. There we go. The only ones I don't like out of that, and this is only, I like them less than the others, are the the kind of tougher looking mage priest ones with a, a... a mace in one hand and a wand thing in the other, or similar. Otherwise, I really like that whole set, especially the characters, dude. Yeah, they're amazing. That that they're really um, good. the stormcast like sucking the soul out of the dude on the floor was is just phenomenal. That's I, great. The soul Hoover, I heard it referred and, uh, to. If um, um if we see that in the box set, I'll be well chuffed. Pro painted. Yes, yes, soul Hoover. <laughs> the soul Hoover. So. Yeah, yeah. So lots of really exciting stuff for Age of Sigma. I mean, it's due out in June, isn't it? So just around the corner. Yeah, it really is just around the corner. Just around the corner. So uh, just in time to get that in and out of the way in time for massive battling robots that aren't the new knights. I'm I'm quite tempted um, to um to to cut the hero quest out of my painting schedule and insert. The new Age of Sigma box set. Yeah, well, you should. You know the best thing about Hero Quest? Stop in painting it so you can paint Age of Sigma. Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I've got to paint the old stuff, yeah. Thinking about Hero Quest, I've now got Conan in my head, uh, which leads me on to what are the finer things in life, Conan? David Stowe Cheddar Cheese. Um, is what I felt the yeah, other day. Yeah, but I don't think he was going to say that. No, well, he should. 
<laughs> so if we haven't seen all the rules, so if there was one rule that they haven't done yet that you would like to see changed or manipulated, what what would it be? Uh, corn should charge eight d six inches. Oh yeah, okay, all right. Moving on from the dumbness. Hey, <laughs> that's not very. So um, I think that they. I would like to see them change how you. And it is combat orientated, yeah. so I apologise because it clearly uh, it clearly helps me. Um, I think that they should change. Uh, there's a couple of areas, I suppose. The first is how you work out who can strike. So the reach of an inch when so many units are on 40 mil or 32 mil bases just drives me mental, particularly when, and it's specifically blood letters. And yes, I know they're really good and all the rest of it, but they've got freaking great big swords. And yet most of the time I can't get a lot of them in because they don't, they only have a reach of one. So I don't really like that. I find that annoying and I find it slows the game down because I'm, trying to sort of work my men into a way of fighting where I can get them within no, an that's, inch. That's um, you I slowing prefer- the, the game down, Dan. It's not the rule. Yeah, I know it is. I know, I just said that. But I'm slowing it down by following the rules. Uh-huh. So anyway, I just, I prefer the 40k system um, personally, of uh, any model within an inch of one that is in base contact with the enemy. Can, can I come fight. back at that? Yes. Yeah, okay. Cause I, I, I really like the Age of Sigma way of doing it because it makes you fight in a unit-like way. Um, whereas the 40k one feels more like a melee and the combat would be like a melee. Where if you went your way, you would remove the advantage of having spears and you would stop fighting in a ranked kind of fashion. And I don't like that at all. You would just pile your models in and go, yeah, everyone's in a fight. And that's, not how Age of Sigma feels like it should work. It feels like it should work by having two lines of people come. And if you've got your spearmen in there because you've got the sense to work that out, then I think you should be you should be rewarded for having that. That's my personal view. Otherwise, what's going to be the point of having a spear? Well, you can still have you can still increase the range that you can be within someone. What? Yeah, I I, do, I I quite like but the way it is. I like I do I to I do see what you're saying, and actually, really, I agree with you in as much as I do think you're right about how it makes you fight like a unit. The thing that frustrates me is your, your bloodletter swords. <laughs> it's my bloodletter swords. That's what it is, really. That's come down to it. Is I got this effing great sword, and I uh, you know I may as well be armed with a flipping cocktail stick. For a, I've got a, I've got a solution. Don't play corn. No, no, no. Get a pair of clippers oh. and clip the sword down to a reasonable height. Clip the yeah. swords. Great, okay. <laughs> more of a Roman gladius rather yeah, yeah. than a great sword type well, size. Yeah, none okay. of them so, wielding well, with two hands. And anyway. piling in, piling in. Oh, bugs yes. me. Piling in really yeah, bugs piling me. Piling in bugs me. Well, not so much the actual fa- act of piling in. I just wish to clarify the rule a bit. Well, you've got to end up closer to the nearest enemy model. And in doing so, you can't move more than three inches, and some units, some special characters can move six. Um, but that, in combination with the 32 mil bases, means that for great tracts of time, dudes just can't get in. And now I don't mind that if there's clearly, you know, if like when we played and your orcs were holding the line between those rocks, yeah. you know, that was very thematic. 
clearly I couldn't get to you. But when a unit, basically, you could wrap around it, but you can't because the closest model to you can't be reached with, you know, with the three inch thing. I, that just, to me, is just bloody annoying and slows the game down. They need to. So basically, m- more ways for you can get your more of your guys into combat. Yeah, basically, I want to get into combat better. <laughs> Love it. Come on, I wasn't going to say anything else. Was I don't have really much knowledge of of magic or or shooting. I don't, but one of the things defense. I think is going to happen now is magic is going to feel more like a duel between the wizards, and I really like that because you'll be dispelling and and putting spells out that if you pay attention to, you can use, and if you don't, then they can steal off of you. I think it's going to be cool. It feels more like the old kind of magic where it was a little bit like a game within a game. So what would you like to see? I don't know the rules well enough to make a really clear comment on that, actually. I think... But you know them well enough to make a dig at me when I think one of the things that does frustrate me is is the ability to pick out um, enemy characters with your bows. Um, Particularly the Stormcast benefit from that. Um because of their range and the strength of their shooters. So I I think in my limited experience. So I think they've done something to, to deal with that, but I'm not sure they've gone far enough. But we'll see. Yeah. I am super excited about it, so I'm very excited about the book having an actual proper with rule maps. book with updated background and maps, yeah. I love the maps. maps. I love maps. I like the maps in the in the first one where you've got like the realm um, of life, all the crazy yeah, maps. The, yeah, the realm of life. That was a really cool. wicked map. So, dude, we really ought to go into the community now. We should, we should. So, guys, um, for the first time tonight, grab some refreshments uh, and join us in the community. Oh, and also, please do sign my online petition to have Reach Two on Blood Letter Blades. Hi guys, um, I'm introducing, I don't think I'm meant to be introducing, but we've kind of lost track of... We don't We've know lost track. What we're doing. 23 episodes, ever. we've got it right, and the 24th one is down the pan. It's all downhill from here. It's all gone crazy. So, it's um, it's one of our favourite sections. It's hard to say we've got one, but it, I think I really enjoy this one. Uh, it's Hail to the Community, uh, where we talk about uh, the community around us, and that includes the wider community on the internet and... Um, hopefully if people start letting us know wherever you are, because we like giving a shout out to whatever awesome is going on. Um, we try and get everything up on the, uh, on the calendar. We do try. Yeah. So, um, we've taken to, um, giving a shout out to, um, podcasts and, um, uh, painters and on hobby blogs and groups. Um, at the start and then moving on to the calendar. And I think that's, that's kind of a, a format that works for us, doesn't it? So. Yeah. Well, I think the nice thing for us is we try and shout out stuff that we see that's awesome. Yes. Uh, and we want to celebrate it and we want other people to see it because it's awesome. <laughs> and it's really, <laughs> really, it's, it's important that, um, I think every, every, people doing good work need to get recognized for it. That's what I think anyway. So, um, first one uh, is over to Dan for a group up in Bristol. 
Yeah, so I, I just wanted to give a shout out to a small group, um, Bristol Necromunda. So they've set up a Facebook page. They arrange games down at Big. Um, there's 33 of them at the moment. And I'm pretty certain that um, a chap friend of mine called Alistair sort of heads up that um, and is running the campaign. So at the moment, uh, the Orlocks are at the top of that campaign. But I think you can either be in the campaign or you can just do random pickup games. But it's quite nice to know there's a little group out there, you know, if, if Necromunda is your thing and you want and, you know, and you're local to Bristol and you want to get involved, just just look them up. Um, we will get a link to the group. Um, I'll I'll do a post link in the group um, anyway, at some point after the podcast comes out over the sort of week after that. And uh, we'll try and get it in the show notes as well. Um won't we, well, I'm going to be up at up at yours next week, and I can show you how to help me edit the show notes, Dan. So we can, you know. Oh, get, get I thought we we're going to be busy with me showing you how to weather a tank. Yep. So, um, I so I'll, I'll go next. So the next one is um a chap called Laserhead, or is on Instagram. I, I don't know him on um if this tags on Facebook or Twitter, but um I first saw him on. Ironically, on Facebook, actually, on the Evia Metal um, painting site, which if, if no one, in fact, that's a good shout out right there. Evia Metal um, is a superb Facebook group. Um, the the standard of painting in there is ridiculous, but they're not exclusive in that if you post whatever work you're doing, you will get really sensible, um, really positive thought out criticism you're not going to get from my experience from what i've shared on there and from what i've seen other people share on there you don't get burned um so it is a really good positive experience and a really good place to pick up excellent hobby tips and they run um quite regular competitions actually um and challenges uh and do an excellent t-shirt that says evia metal paint to your drop which so that's a win they did a old model, co- or if you're old like Ben, until your eyes get tired. <laughs> um, they did, they did a competition for an old model, and Laserhead entered a second edition plastic orc with non-metal metallics, and it was superb. Um, and that's how I picked up on him. And he's done since a fantastic Dark Angels Gravis Armor Captain. He's done. Um, recently an empire general that plastic um mounted one um and it's just stunning work and he um i know marcus um the guy one of the chaps who's in my little painting um painting circle he is really really friendly and will you know answer and chat to questions so top guy he's laserhead 3000 on instagram Cool. So, um, yeah, I've, I've had a look at some of the, the Laserhead uh, 3000, like his pictures, and the stuff is amazing, mate. Really, really good. Um, really good. Really good. So, um, it is. It is. I mean, when when you can non-metal metallic the end of the of the barrel on the second edition, yeah, and, very good. Yeah, so it's amazing. Um, I you know we we were having a chat and we also wanted to do a shout out to uh, Logan Proudbeard. So uh, that's Ed. Um, so Logan Proudbeard on Instagram, he's been working on some really nice red scorpions. Um, and I really like red scorpions. I think they're a nice color scheme. Um, 
And I really like the fact that there's a bit of a story arc with Commander Khan. So he's not long ago painted the Dreadnought. Um, yeah. I think I'm right in saying, aren't I, mate? Really, really cool um, Leviathan pattern yeah, yeah, Dreadnought yeah, yeah, with a twin right. assault cannon that is um, Commander Khan. And I, I just love it. I just really like it. Post regular updates as well. So you're always getting like a little smatter of what Ed's working on. And Ben and I have been really fortunate enough to to meet Ed and have a chat with him. Um, and such a nice guy as well. It, it's just really nice to see what hobby he's working on. It is, yeah, because he's he's genuinely interested in what other people are doing too, which is nice. Yeah, that is that is nice actually. That is true. Um, always always asks after what we're doing, so that's really nice, really good of him. So yeah, so there's a few there to look up. Um, some really nice stuff across there. So definitely recommend having a look. Um, yes, it's calendar time. It's calendar. Well, it's what has been and what is coming. So I wanted to just talk a bit about so Curtain Games, who um, Ben and I went to visit a little little while ago. Um, we talk about most times because you know being a, a, a podcast that is focused on getting you know hobby moving and particularly around the southwest, uh, Curtain are always doing stuff. So this weekend um, they have run their Age of Sigma tournament. Uh, 2,000 points. They had 26 players, Ben, which I thought was really good. It is really, really good. Particularly when you think they're in Crediton, which is, you know, it's not a bustling centre of commerce. It's Little um, England in Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's really impressive. And um, and actually, Matt Lyons from the Pro Painted Podcast came first um, in there. I, I had a look at the standings. Uh, what I didn't catch was what actual armies people were using. So it's not a an epic rundown of how that event went, because um, we're not into that thing, that sort of thing, are we? <laughs> but I'm sure if you go and listen to the next episode of Pro Painted, Matt will talk about it. Um, so worth listening into that. And the next event from Curtain is on the 1st of September. Was so the that's next, a 2000 next Age of Sigma one. event. Sorry, yes, the next Age of Sigmar event. There will be many events between now and then. Um, but the next Age of Sigmar one, 1st of September, and that is um, celebrating the... Um, it's called Second Edition Slaughter, so it's it's going to be following the the launch of the new rule set. And Ben has just said to me, quite like to go to that, haven't you? I'd love to go to that, actually, because um, we went up to Curtain Games um, just before Warhammer Fest, which is a bit of a shame, because Warhammer Fest took a lot of our attention so we didn't have a good chat about it but it's it's a really cool venue um and it's got a nice big playing area 26 players is is a good tournament size for age sigma um and the place was really well set up so there's a painting area um there's a decently stocked shop that i spent much more money than i intended to in um I was having stuff on the shelf that that I hadn't I didn't know about or didn't think about. So it's one of those shops where you go in and you're like, "Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. Oh, I'd quite like that." <laughs> so but it was it was good from a shop front as well. Um, and they've got a wicked gaming area upstairs. So um, yeah, I'm I'm really keen to go because it's not too far down the road from me, and. Um, Anywhere that's running tournaments that are drawing people from as as far as you know, right at the edge of the southwest down, that's got to be good. 
It has to yeah, be good. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, quite keen for that. I might have to um, inject some more time into my uh, iron jaws to top them up to 2,000, though. I don't know how yes. far off. So maybe another unit of gore grunters and brutes, perhaps. Don't know, but then we'll see. Um, yeah. Independent Gaming also had an Age of Sigmar doubles today, but I, I was having a look, but I couldn't see anything about the stand-ins um, or anything at all, other than to say they had a doubles event today. Uh, <laughs> so I'll throw that out there, but it's nice to know there's plenty of Age of Sigmar stuff going on. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, because I think... I think it's um it's one of those things where you know I've I've always th- had thought that it was in the background and not quite so popular a year ago but now I'm just I I think it's I think that that concept is total garbage and it's out there with good tournaments and a really wicked scene so um the fact that I'm I really like to do a doubles tournament with you Dan really keen to do that we need to get that sorted yeah so um let's go through so we're going to probably shoot a little bit further ahead this time because my feeling has been that two weeks isn't enough time to get people ready to go or you know if we're talking about an event that's happening next week it doesn't give you much of a chance does it no so on that note tomorrow or today was a saga tournament at dice and daggers (laughs) today (laughs) no i'm joking so next week uh we have the UK Games Expo, which will be huge, and um, we have toyed with the idea of going up, but um, in the end decided that um, just a quiet weekend hanging out would be better, actually. Well, ultimately, um, you know, we talk about being a family podcast, and we have to balance the needs of family, and me being away again um, so soon after Warhammer Fest wasn't um, really fair, and also... Sometimes, like, you can spend all this time, I find, looking at all the cool, cool new stuff that's com- coming out and not getting all the stuff you've got done. So that's yep. one of my other drivers. And we're looking at starting a Blood Bowl League and we need you to be here so we can play some games of that. So, yeah. Yep. I'm sure it'll be amazing. So um on the same weekend, on the Friday, there's the Four Warlords Age of Sigma event at... Games Workshop Truro. He's um, popped a few events up over the next couple of weeks. So Friday nights on the gaming gaming evening, have a look. Um, it looks like at the moment he's leading up to Age of Sigma, so um, that makes sense. Um, and in fact, the following day, uh, they're having the Battle of Four Warlords in Taunton as well. Games Workshop now Taunton. that's the 750 point one, yep, isn't it? But... It is, yeah. Um, and in Truro, they're having the Dual Age of Sigma dual painting competition, which is probably second of June this weekend. If you're good and very fast, you might be able to knock something out for that. Uh, <laughs> not, yeah. not me. Um, so looking forward to uh, the 9th of June, we have um, the Warhammer Age of Sigma Grand Tournament Heat Three at Warhammer World. Um, they're massive events, and I really want to go to one next year, Dan. Just heads up. Yeah, me too. I just also, it's worth, sorry, dude, to jump in, but um, this weekend coming, so the second, Saturday the 2nd, Sunday the 3rd, is the Vanquish oh, uh, yeah, event. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Big, so at Bristol Independence. So that's a 40k event. Um, usually sells out, but it's always worth checking. I mean, um, we do, when we put events on, we try and uh, to put in a link to 
the relevant event. So just have a click on there if you want to find it. Then we've got um, the Saturday the 9th is the Queen's birthday, if anyone's interested. But um, probably not a decent Games Workshop event attached to that. But there is something, and this is probably my favourite named event of the next month, Scoundrels and Nerf Herders X-Wing Tournament at Admiral's Landing in Bridgewater. Um, whoever named that, right, needs a needs a crown. Because <laughs> that is flipping awesome. Yep, so um, it doesn't give you much time to get involved with that, but, you know, look it up. You, now's the time. If you're listening to this... And you At think, least you oh, don't have to paint the models. Yeah, no. At least you don't. Uh, you, you know, if you if you're looking listening to this and think, "Oh, I fancy an uh, X-wing tournament," and I'm near Bridgewater, then go for that. That's um, that's on. And mm. moving on to the 16th, we have Curtonian Carnage, which is the 40k tournament at Curtin, as the name gives it away. Um, that's on the Saturday, the 16th of June. And Black Library Live is on the same day as that, if you're interested in Black Library stuff, which most of us are. Uh, looking forward a bit further from that, 23rd of June is the Guild Ball Bash at Barb's Model and Games. Um, Guild Ball's got quite a little scene going on, actually. I know yeah, the I guys... know um, Sean, uh, Sustained Fire Sean, is really loves, into it. loves a bit of Guild Boy, doesn't he? Yeah, and Marcus is quite into it. Um if if it wasn't another game with another set of rules, I might be interested, but um, it's just too many, as it is. Yeah. And then, moving forward into July, there's a Warhammer double, 40k doubles tournament at Terra Games, which is in Newton Abbott, which is um, a nice little venue. And um, really friendly guys. Um, there's a couple, I think, they're a couple that run it, and they're both really nice, both very talkative, so... Um, definitely worth going and having a look if you're in the Newton Abbott area and then the one that we want to give a bit of a shout out for and for it's on our calendar um, I'm not completely sure but the um, Greetings from the Warp uh, or Greetings from Sigma the Sigma's Malevolence I think has changed dates so that's on there I'll change that though um, but those guys run a cracking tournament um, so if you're up there in that area, that's worth looking at. But on the 7th and 8th, down in Redruth, is Geekfest 4, um, which Dan and I are going to be there on a Sunday. Uh, we've been asked... Whoa! Celebrity attendance! Sorry? <laughs> I said celebrity oh, sorry. attendance. They've got a few celebrities going, Dan, so I don't think we're going to count. And even remotely <laughs> fact. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, that's in Heartlands in Redruth, and um, we've been asked to attend to talk about setting up a podcast. Um, so we'll be there if you want to come and have a chat with us. We'll have a few of our models. Well, I will, because um, I'm a bit more local. Uh, and ben, and Ben can tell you all about the technicalities of setting up a podcast. Well, I'll bring, I'll bring our equipment down so you can have and a look I at it. And I will just talk about being the personality. I'll bring the box with the, with the blanket. The box and blanket, and people can see that actually you don't need a lot of stuff to start a podcast. Um, but yeah, well, we'd love to see it. guys. We love meeting people, so come and see us, honestly. And bring something that you've painted because I'd love to see it. Yes, that would be ace. That would um, be ace. And then finally, on that same weekend, Saturday the 7th and um, 8th, is the big Southwest Clash 2. 
which I haven't written on my thing, whether or not that is 40k or Age of Sigma. Well, that's really helpful, Ben. Well, sorry, man. <laughs> Hang on, I'm getting there. Good, good. Kings of War, that is. Some... That's Kings of War. So there it's neither. Go. It's neither. Sorry, it's Kings of War. Right, so there we go. That's June and a little bit of July. Um, uh, the, oh, there's an X-Wing Store Championship going back on for Curtain Games on Saturday, the 28th of July. So that's going fit forward, forward, actually. That's list. Ignore me. That's much further forward. So there you go. There's the rundown for the month. Um, if you have an event and you want it on the calendar, it's always professional with us. Man. It's always, it's always <laughs> professional. Um, I know the rundowns can be a bit of, um, a bit rapid fire, but, um, big ones to just take away from it. Scoundrels and Nerf Herders, Geek Fest, um, UK Games Expo, Vanquish. They're all Geek on our Fest, calendar. um, also known as, uh, two peas on tour. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got to make sure I come. Yeah, well, you better, otherwise I'll smack you around the side of the head. But have a look at those guys. They're on our website, um, the two peas, or two peas in a pod dot com forward slash community, and the calendar is there. Um, you can sort of, because it's Google, you can, make, you know, add it to your Google calendar. Um, but if you want us to add something to it, if you want us to shout out an event, um, then please just give us a shout because we're more than happy to do that. It doesn't matter where it is, you know, we'll, we'll give it a shout. But we're especially interested in people giving us um, information about the Southwest events. So there we go. There we are. I think it is time to head into the wilds. Yes. Let's do it. Oh, just to come back, um, as I'd stopped recording when you went in for the last one, nobody signed that stupid petition. Please. <laughs> Hashtag two inches for blood letters. Is that the size of their head? Mm, it could actually be. It's Especially not like far off. Add the tongue on as well. <laughs> Wild thing. Dun, 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 dun. You make my heart sing. Ben, ben wanted me to introduce this one because he says I'm normally asleep by this point. Dude, I so think... So there you go. I, I think... My microphone has just melted. That was so out of tune. Listen, I don't bring, I don't come for the music. I'm here for the looks. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's a sad day. <laughs> it's not good at all, is it? We've so, reached, we've reached anyway, the low. We're, we're... listeners, <laughs> the, yeah, the, uh, the drop pod is nearing the end of its journey. Thank goodness. Um, I think we would say uh, the assault on your senses is almost over. Slanesh itself is weeping um, after that. Uh, and we have got into the wild. So um, a few things to talk about in the wilds. Uh, the big one for me that I'm super excited about, Ben, is Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. I, I'm Yes. So we've been um, in the, our little gaming group, Bobbin Gaming Group, we've been... Um, 
starting it, well, I say we, I'm going to give the credit where it's due. Um, it, driven by Carl Rooms and, um, yeah. and, uh, John Moyes, who's been doing sort of the groundwork for the last couple of, of weeks. Uh, they've set up a, um, battle companies sort of event, event, series, you know, tournament, not tournament, go on. Campaign is the word I'm looking for. You can tell it's late. Um, and, uh, so we've been using that book, which has been ridiculously hard to get hold of. It's obviously selling well. Um, I noted at Warmer Fest, it's practically sold out within a couple of hours. So, cause we, I went there after two hours, having been upstairs going mental at Titanicus and they'd sold out. So, um, it's really cool. It's, uh, Effectively, your your company starts with a prescribed number of models with a specific set of equipment. Um, so, for example, my elves have two spearmen and shields, uh, two swordsmen and one archer. And then you play the games. You can either... You know, there's loads of different scenarios in the book, and they're really good, actually, the scenarios, Dan. Um, the Lord of the Rings one always have been, um, but they are really good. And then you generate experience and um, influence points to spend as you get them. And as a result of that, um, I have been going through all my models, all of the ones I haven't painted and been getting really excited about what I have to paint, but also pulled out my War of the Ring army for the first time in 10 years, which was really nice to do, actually. Um because it was the first, that was the first time I army painted. Uh, as in, I didn't spend a massive amount of time on each model. I just went for it to get, get them all out and on the table. Um, and they, they do look okay. And I, rem- I remember them being worse than they are. So that was nice. I might go back and do some weathering on them, but, um, I'm quite happy with them. But that, that was the nail in the coffin for you, wasn't it? Seeing the picture of those. It was, t- yeah. Pretty much. So a few things sort of added. So I've always loved Lord of the Rings. Um, always loved Lord of the Rings as a, as the stories. Um, but the Hobbit, not the Hobbit films. I like the Hobbit films, but really the way that the Hobbit, I work, was working for Games Workshop when the Hobbit came out. Uh, and it really felt for me like when Lord of the Rings came out, it was very successful from a sales point of view for Games Workshop. Um, people were literally just coming in and buying stuff because it was Lord of the Rings. And it felt a little bit like with The Hobbit that the price points, for example, were chosen and the expectation was set that it would be the same. And when it wasn't, it was a little bit flat. Um, and that kind of knocked it out of me a bit, really. And I never really recovered um, from my my love of the strategy battle game um, and, you know, until now, really. Um, in fact, sadly, I got rid of my strategy battle game stuff. Um, and Ben always berates me for getting rid of things. And I would say, no, no, you know, you got to clear out, you got to clear out. And for the first time, genuinely regret um, selling off uh, a whole load of, of lovely Lord of the Rings miniatures. Uh, but it just, you know, wipes the slate clean. It's fine. But when we were at Warhammer Fest, we went to the Specialist Games um, seminar. And that included Adam Troke standing up and talking about um, the Middle Earth well, what we believe will become the Middle Earth strategy battle game. Um, and then Ben put up the picture of his elves. And at the same time, I watched the Middle Earth takeover, which is once a month on Warhammer Live, again with Adam talking. And what's really, really, really cool 
is he is so passionate about Lord of the Rings. He is, isn't he? He's such a dude. And his team are so passionate. It's only a little team, and they know so much. And the detail that goes into it, you know, the new um, the new chap that's like the leader of the Minas Tirith that guard the wall, the outer wall, um, not the outer wall of the Seven, but the there's another wall that the Pelennor fields are inside of. Um, and the fact that on the shield they've kind of sculpted the symbol, which is the the seven walls of Osk of um, Minas Tirith, and then the outer wall, you know, it's just amazing. And they were even on the show; they were talking about the lineage of Knights of Dol Amroth and how that would influence whether or not they would have beards. Yeah, that's, that was the- that's really interesting because one of the things that I'd seen people pick holes in. Um, on, on the internet was why the Knight of Dol Amroth had a beard when they were described as clean shaven. But, um, I, I didn't know the Silmarillion well enough or, or, um, the Return of the King well enough to be able to comment. But, um, it's really interesting that actually they know exactly what they were doing. Um, and they had a good reason for it. A superb. He actually quotes it. Um, and I think it's fair of face. Yeah. I think he's, he's, um, described as but it yeah so it's really so basically those things all came together and something got relit um inside my soul for the strategy battle game and um yeah really excited so battle companies i didn't actually know you were so far into doing battle companies ben that's quite new yeah, to yeah. Me. um but it's nice to know so my battle companies book is in the post on the way to me um i've got some mordor orcs on the way um and um, uh, a couple of heroes just to start that off. And what I'm really excited about doing is the narrative campaign. So in White Dwarf, January and February issues, scenarios were posted to allow you to do the Battle Company's um, story campaign, but from the evil perspective. Um, So the first mission, you come across five elves from Mirkwood and ambush them. And then in between that, you play against the other people but what's nice is the two campaigns slot alongside each other. So Tom is doing elves. So he will play the missions as presented in Battle Companies, the book. And then myself and um, Ben Chambers, uh, Ben the Bass, are doing, uh, I'm doing Mordor. He's doing Moria. Actually, Colin's doing Lake Town and Dan Wozley's going to do Hobbits. So the good side will follow that story arc. And the and the evil side will follow the other one, and in between yeah. the games we'll play each other. Um, I'm really excited about it, and and little things like um, uh, getting the forces. So the first scenario is it, you're in Lake Town, and one of your guys has, has got drunk or whatever they've done, and they've been arrested, and you've got to go and rescue them. So you have to have twelve Lake Town guards. So it's not a scenario where my goblins turn oh sorry my orcs turn up and play tom's elves it's actually a scenario where like the lord of the rings ones were really that you've got both sides so i'm really excited about going and buying the opposing forces for example in this case 12 guard of lake town and that'll just like my collection will just grow little bits at a time so I'll have like the Lake Town Guard and then I'll have five Merkwood Elves and I'll have my battle company. And then, you know, there's one result on the battle companies where a spider joins your war yep. band. It's just very exciting. Really exciting. Um, so I can't wait for them to arrive. I do still have the original Metal Fellowship, the very first Fellowship Do they still set. release that? 
Um, no, 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 no. You can't buy them like that anymore. Um, and that's really exciting for me because Lord of the Rings was going on. I remember going to Games Day where it was first announced that they would be doing the miniatures game um, and pre-ordering the set, which was the... You got Moria Goblins and the Last Alliance, Last Alliance um, Sprues in the starter set, the very first starter set. Um, so yeah, that's, that is very, well, you can tell I'm, I'm very excited about it. Really excited about it. So looking forward to that. What's also a bit mental, Colin, who's a, a friend of mine that lives in Western Supermare, it has transpired, decided that he wanted to recreate Lake Town. So he doesn't have one, two, three, or four Lake Town houses. He has 36. Oh, for goodness sake. That's incredible. <laughs> I know. I nearly fell off my chair. So, yeah. yeah. Insane. We are certainly... I am pushing him for Lake Town recreation. So, one of the things I'm, I am a bit worried about now is... See, I've just had this... this um, a feeling that I hate. It's my. It's the feeling that uh, I've missed something that I should have got when they came out and it's gone now and I'm never going to have. I I really liked those old box sets and I haven't actually been on the on the page and seen how they're done now. But like um, the ambush at Amon Hen or Weathertop, where you got the scene, you know, the models to play that scenario. D- do they do those? Some of them. Because I do them all. I'd be gutted if I could never get, especially if I liked the original Fellowship models. I'd be gutted. I've got a lot of them, and I've got I've got a lot of sorting out to do, really, to to work out which ones I've got of which. But um, I actually think the Elrond that you've got, that's from the Last Alliance, is one of my favourite miniatures games which I've ever made. It's superb. It's incredible. It's, it is and it's utterly so superb. From that scene, I was watching it today when I was painting. And I watched that scene and he stood there shouting and it, it is, it's just like flipping awesome. Yeah. Really, really good. I, um, I really hope. So one of the things Adam said about was, you know, looking at focusing on other things. So like doing, for example, the Pelennor fields, um, which is, I think what they're working on now. It is, um, yeah. So one of the things that he said was that, um, when they did Pelennor Fields, um, they did work really closely with New Line Cinemas, but there's only so close that you could work when everything was kept so secret. Um, yeah. and they were, there was a lot of characters. Um, for example, the, the Mumuk War Chief that Games Workshop knew nothing about at all. Um, until they went and watched the film. So there is a lot of models that missed the kind of release schedule because they didn't know that they existed and therefore didn't make them and had to move on to the next thing. Um, yeah. And they're going back now and they're, they're padding it out. So the, there's a couple of orcs... Um, heroes. Heroes that they're doing. Um, one of them doesn't have a name, apparently. One of them is Gothmog's Enforcer and the other one is Gerbits, I think he's called. Is it, is, was Gothmog's Enforcer has a name, but they weren't allowed to use it because... Of no, trademark. I don't think he's ever referred to by a name. So yeah, Gothmog's enforcer, and of course the the war the uh, war chief on top of the mummy Those are the things that they're going back and adding in. So I expect to see more of that. Oh, and the Knights of Dol Amroth um, on foot. They've added those, those in. Are gorgeous, unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. gorgeous. 
So nice. There's some lovely models. So the Gondor Commanders, right? There's a guy with a two-handed sword. Oh, my goodness me. Think something the tool. No, oh, well, yeah, there's him coming out. That's lovely. But just in the current Gondor Commanders set. Yeah. It's just amazing. So the um, Rohan Commanders set. I think the only shame is that across the range, you you can see... I feel it's quite distinct, the evolution of miniature design. Um, so the original Rohan Warriors box set next to the Rohan Commanders, I think is quite quite distinct. So one of the things um, that I think Lord of the Rings did in a lot of ways was push the boundaries. And I don't think everyone mm. at the time realised exactly what was happening, but... The battle game itself, I think that that rule set influenced so many games that have come out since. The alternating priority, it was it was a very, very good skirmish game. It was a very, very good skirmish game. But the plastics, because I know that they spent a lot of their money investment on an, from the Lord of the Rings on new pla- on plastic making machines, or at least I don't know for certain, but that that was what was being told to staff members. The Rohan horsemen at the time were an absolute revolution. They were they were just stunning because of the the way the horse looked, the way the rider was on top. Of course, now we look back and think, oh, that's really dated and looks not great. But mm. how thin the the spears were on those Rohan warriors, mate. The detail of the of the you know the spear tip, all of those little things were the start of what we've got now. Where that you know the plastics now are just phenomenal um as the guys I have who- to say sorry uh, but i'm just sat here just flicking down through the range and i could cry like the stuff i am a big advocate for not having rack upon rack of unpainted models but my days be careful before you get rid of stuff because there's just some stunning stuff that i have have had in the past damn <laughs> yep and I know I know you agree because uh, you know we have this conversation quite often but I I see it, I see it as a bits box I always have done so my my I, I do hoard I pick up bits here and there um, when it comes to models I do hoard um, but that's because now I for this kind of very reason I haven't done Lord of the Rings in ten years, but I've come back to it, and I'd yeah. be gu- and I'd be gutted if I was in your position. Um, I'm afraid. But anyway, yeah. um, Lord of the Rings wasn't the only thing we wanted to talk about, although we've managed to do a whole section on it. Um, yeah, well, more to come because we're loving it. Yeah, for real. What else have we got in there? So um, we have been doing some Blood Bowl. Oh, um, crikey, which, yeah, we could do a whole section on Blood Bowl, We could do a whole segment. So I <laughs> managed to play against you and your goblins. We had a bit of a go, didn't we? Me? Yeah. What, at, um... No, it's humans versus orcs, mate. Oh, yeah, it was, wasn't it? I thought it was goblins. No. No, it's because you've got goblins. I have got goblins. So you used the humans, so we had a go. I played Skaven and I played against elves. I've never, I've not played a full game yet. It takes so much longer than you think it would. <laughs> I think it's just because you're getting used to it. Yeah, it is. And we are kicking off a league as well, which I... So I think the game will be much more enjoyable as the league develops because at the 
when you start and so many of your players have got so few skills, a one in six chance of your turn being over, oh my goodness. I just I just lose my shit, to be frank. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, you'll have to take that out, but I just get so annoyed. I'm not taking that out. <laughs> it's just so frustrating. I don't even mind losing. I just, it, oh my goodness. And it is this, I'm sure the dice just think it's hilarious. I so know I, they do, in fact. I, I, I will be naming all of my players and I, and they will, and I think I'm probably going to do like a Spike magazine article for every, everything that we, uh, ev- you know, everything that I can get hold of. So I think it'd be quite cool to release that to everyone to see. Yeah. Yeah. It would, it would be good. I, yeah. Oh my days, the Lake Town Guard died at 40 pounds. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe this cool idea of doing the, uh, all the forces for the little scenarios is not as good a one as I thought. Well, they're not going to be plastic, are they, the Lake Town Guard? Sorry. Well, I thought they might have been. There is some plastic ones that look similar that are like, um, oh, where are they from? What's the, what's the town called that's on the mountain? That gets burned. Oh, uh. We're just as good as names in this game system. No idea. But you've gone back All to right. Lord of the Rings. You... <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help it. Well, so, so Blood Bowl, yeah, we've been doing a bit of Blood Bowl. We're starting a tournament. Really excited about that. Um, what I like about Blood Bowl is you can, like they say, you know, you always say an army is never finished. And I know you can do different things and stuff, but I do like the fact that in Blood Bowl, you know, there's quite a structure. So if I paint 16 linemen, which I'm not going to do because you never use 16 linemen, but my orc team can have 16 linemen, four blitzers, four black orcs, four goblins, and a troll. Once that's all painted, that is done. Yeah. I really like that. So I completely agree. I like the fact that there's, an, there's a cap on it um, a lot. So we've got, um, so I'm trying to fussle forward because we're getting a bit late in the day now, but, um, Dan's got some scenery you'd like to talk about by Game Mate, um, EU and oh, TT yeah. Combat. So I was so. flicking through and, um, I'd just like to say that it's Warriors of Dale is what I was talking about. But anyway, moving on. Uh, GameMap.eu, some chem zone terrain. So GameMap.eu do terrain which is pre painted. Now, it isn't going to win any painting competitions um but it is better than unpainted and they do some very nice stuff now the what this is is a series of pipes and vats of like bubbling chemicals and stuff um for well you can use 28 mil scale so you can use it for necromunda is is the obvious one but yep. also things like batman um it would work well for uh, so that's oh, really especially good. like a cool um two-face situation yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's well worth, um, I think, well worth checking out. I mean, GameMap.eu, if you haven't heard of them or haven't checked them out, they do have some really nice terrain. Uh, they've got some cool, like, generator things that, whilst I would want to paint them and mount them on stuff and blend them in a bit more, they are very nice. Um, but I would, I would certainly say go check out the website because they've got some good stuff on there. Um, that was scenery and something else from uh, truly from the wilds that I wanted to, to mention was that I noticed today that TT Combat have put out the destroyers 
um, and included experimental rules for them from Drop Fleet game. So we spoke. Oh, it would have been a little while back because it was before I moved into the newer hobby room uh, about TT buying um, Drop Zone Commander and Drop Fleet Commander. Yeah, and um, so. It's really nice, I think, to see something new coming out. Um, it's you know, it's not just a case of their shepherding it along into its demise. They're genuinely investing in and growing it. Yeah, yeah, that's really important. So that's really nice. So I can't really comment on the impact on the game. I you know, I don't play the game. I know it was designed by Andy Chambers, or he had a big hand in it. Um, the models are really, really nice. Um, it's quite a different system, as I understand it, but not not one at the moment that I partake of. But I'm sure there's some people out there that do, which is great. Uh, so yeah, it would be would be nice to hear actually. If anyone is listening and does play Drop Fleet and has experienced these destroyers, please let me know because I'd love to know um, what the impact is on the game and how you feel about it. Really, mm. that would be yeah, that'd be really good. So, oh, yeah, there's a few a... guys who play that down in Trelawney. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, because they were playing when I went down there, yeah. I mean, the models are really nice, and also the Kickstarter was, well, it was incredible by the end, the amount of stuff you would get if you had um, fully invested in it at the beginning, based on all the stretch goals they hit. You, you'd just be swimming in the stuff. I don't think you'd ever need to buy any more. I had a dream that I had a drop, drop zone, a drop fleet commander force the other day. You had a dream that you had one. Yeah, that's excellent. It's it was weird because I, I Joe got me. I th- I saw the drop zone. I think it's drop zone commander. She got me the rule book for my birthday. Yeah, my mm. birthday. Um, and it's been by my bed for uh, ever since. I just occasionally pick it up and flick through the background and. You got and, the rule book for it. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Sorry for what? Drop drop zone commander. I think. Yeah. And. Uh, Anyway, I just randomly the other day had a dream that I had a had a, a fleet. Hmm. Don't know why. Strange things that your brain does when you're asleep. But there we go. Yeah. So um, that draws us to an end of our little foray into the wilds. Um, really exciting times, I think. And um, just as a little heads up, we're going to be, or I'm going to be talking to, um, um, or interviewing uh, John and. Ross uh, from Shades of Chaos Games about their upcoming release of a new book, which is quite exciting, and they're going to give us a scoop on that, um, which, depending on how, because they're both very excited about it, so I've got a feeling they might go on for a fair bit, um, <laughs> <laughs> No, which is going to be awesome, but um, we might not be able to include it in an actual episode, but probably put it out as a separate as a separate thing. For people to have a listen to, so um, that's really wicked. And he sneak peeked it on uh, their site called "How to Be a Badass." So um, I don't know any more than that. I love that. <laughs> that's excellent. Awesome. So, um, guys, we are on Twitter, Instagram, um, and Facebook at the Two Piece Podcast. Um, our website is um, two peas in a pod dot com particularly direct you to the uh, community site part of that. We would love to do more blog posts, um, written stuff, but frankly, I struggle to form a sentence 
um, verbally, let alone write it. So um, writing anything sensible would be tough, I think. But I think I might put together the pictures from Warhammer Fest and, and start with that one and go from there. But that's something to think with, like, to think about. But please look us up on the, have a chat with us, share your models with us. We love having the responses on the hobby desk post. I've particularly loved everyone's response to um, the scenery post. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. I always that love it actually, dude. When you put up your sort of work in progress Wednesdays and ask people to post what they're working on, it's always like a lovely one to follow through the day. Yeah, um, I really like it. As so, things sort of trickle in on it, it's it's just really nice. And uh, it, it cheers me up no end because um, <laughs> it does. The hobby is a hobby for me is as much about what other people are doing as is about what I'm doing, and um, and work as much as I love my job and it is my vocation. Popping on to our page and seeing what people have posted throughout the day cheers me up. So thank you. Um, so awesome that draws to an end our an anniversary episode there we are exciting well what can we say thank you very much it's been uh it's been great actually it's been really good and i'm really excited about the next year with all the stuff we've talked about and we haven't even mentioned or barely even mentioned titanicus yet wait till that drops oh my days we're gonna need to send you up some sedation aren't i absolutely mate into that into that doctor's bag <laughs> just for anyone who's listening um i won't be doing that don't contact the gmc <laughs> no please <laughs> right guys see you in episode 25